What's up and welcome back to Bar Down Talking Hockey, episode number 86, presented by the Barroom Network. My name is Vinny Parisi, and my favorite Thanksgiving side is fluffy, creamy, delicious mashed potatoes. And this right here, this is Frankie Mueller, and his favorite side at Thanksgiving is also creamy, delicious, loving mashed potatoes. Welcome to Bar Down, Frank. How are you doing? Oh, I can't wait. I cannot wait. Little mashed potatoes, little brown gravy. Oh my goodness, Frank! Few things bring a smile to our face when we talk, and we 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 have some smile-filled conversations over the years. And you know, Thanksgiving brings out the joy in both of us. We both love it so much. I don't know what it is, but Thanksgiving is by far. Uh, it's right there with Christmas as my favorite holiday. It's one A and one B truly. And you know, I love St. Patrick's Day. I love Fourth of July. I love the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl is not really a holiday. It is in my brain, but I love Thanksgiving, and I can't wait to get into it today. But I couldn't agree more. One thing I wanted to point out is today is episode eighty-six of Bar Down Talking Hockey. Holy shnikes! Holy shnikes! What, do you have a number a number eighty-six that comes to mind that you love so very much? Tavo Teravainen. Tavo Teravainen is number 86. Good pull. But I know he's not actually your favorite number 26. You just don't want to admit that little Jizzy Jack Hughes is the best player to ever wear number 86 all time. I mean, he really I, I actually might be, right? Like, I don't know. There's yeah, 86. I mean, do you know why he I wears 86? No, I don't. Was he born in 86? No, no. What? Oh yeah, that'd be he'd be like forty. <laughs> Zach Parisi was born in eighty-five, I think, and he's an old ass man. Um Jack Hughes wears eighty-six because his college number was forty-three. Or not college, but when he played for the program, the United States Development Program, he was forty-three. And Quinn wears forty-three. Well, forty-three plus two is times six. No, times plus two. times two, yes. Yes, 43 plus 43 is 86, and that's why Jack Hughes wears number 86. Now, I'm not sure if Luke, who currently wears 43 for Michigan, will wear 43 for the Devils, but that's going to be very interesting. I, I want a Jack Hughes jersey before they slap a J on it. I hope they don't do that. I really, really hope they don't do that. But I remember when the Sedin played together, it was H Sedin and D Sedin. So it very well could happen. But I hope the Devils are just clean enough because I think it looks clean with just your last name. You got to put just the last name and expect people to know the difference by A, their numbers, and B, they play a different position. That adds to it, too. One will be in the back, one will be in the front. But I don't know. 86. What a show. Tava. Tavo. I like Tavo Teravine. He's not even in the same stratosphere as Jack Hughes, but he's a very good player. There's no doubt about it. So, Frank, are you ready to actually, on this Thanksgiving episode of Bar Down Talking Hockey, ready to actually talk some hockey? I'm ready. We will do so in period number one. Welcome to period one. Frank, you got your favorite side in the chat just in time. Like, I was literally praying that it would pop up <laughs> as i was saying it and i added the creamy juicy fluffy i added that for a couple extra seconds and it came through for me i love when a plan comes together 
I know. I didn't even type out the full word. I just had to, like, get something out there yep, quick. Yep. You could have put MP, and that would have been good <laughs> enough for me. That would have been good enough for me. Do you remember when we lived in the Bartlett house? For those who don't know, I used to live in Bartlett, and we used to have, like, a setup where if we were upstairs, guests would come in through the front door, and if we were downstairs, guests would come in through the garage. And when people would get there, I would respond either F or G. And that used to just crack me up because it kind of took on a life of its own. Instead of people saying here, they would say F or G. And I would reply F or G. And it was just, I love little codes, little stuff like that. But speaking of codes, Frank, for the second time in three weeks, we are leading the show off hockey-wise with the new Jersey Devils. They are on a 13-game heater. It ties a franchise record for most consecutive games in a row. They tonight play against the Toronto Maple Leafs, who we will get to a little bit later in the program, but specifically focusing on the New Jersey Devils right now. What have you seen since our last show that might be different? Or I mean, because they haven't lost in I believe it exactly one month since they've lost. I believe it was tomorrow, November twenty third or to November twenty fourth since they last lost. But it's one month worth of games if they win tonight without losing. What is your takeaway? Thirteen game heater. Well, I've come to the conclusion that the Devils will be going 79-3 and three this year <laughs> <laughs> and finish with a total of 158 points. Let's go. Best team ever. Um, I, I They'd exactly be a lot to lose in the first round if that happened. It, yeah, I mean, it's, oh, it's yeah. honestly crazy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that this is the, now the fifth podcast, I think, yep. that they haven't lost yet. It's actually crazy. Like, do you, the last time they won 13 games, was in 2001. And do you remember what they did that year, VP? It was the best season in New Jersey. It's the it's not the best season. In my opinion, It is, and I don't mean to cut you off. You could get right back to where you were. It is the best New Jersey Devils team ever. They lost in the Stanley Cup final to Patrick Waugh and the Colorado Avalanche. I would take that team in a seven-game series – over any Devils team ever, including the three cup teams. It's the best Devils team ever. The floor is back to you. Yeah, and they uh, they lost to Colorado in seven games in the Stanley Cup. Maybe that's a sign of things to come, right? Maybe they make the playoffs and get bounced. History repeats itself, and then, you know, a couple of years later, they're going to win the cup. You never know. Um, but, yeah, and six out of their 13 wins have been by three or more goals, too which is just shows you how good this offensive core is doing for the New Jersey Devils. They're actually outscoring opponents 56 to 24 um, in that stretch. They're a plus 20 in the first and second period combined and a plus 12 in the third period and OT. When you're putting up numbers like that and that type of goal differential, you're not going to lose. It's impossible to lose. So, I mean, that's something really good to see. He sure has been fantastic. Brett continues to be the best player on the team and the cr most crucial player on the team, in my opinion, as to why they've been winning. Because you don't have to be the, the most skillful player on the team to be the most crucial, but that's why I think Brett is. And uh, game 14 potentially could be won tonight. It's going to be a tough one against the Maple Leafs, but I like what I see from them so far. I completely agree with you. Um, Brett 
Okay, so Heischer and Hughes are the two most skilled players probably to ever play on the Devils. May, maybe Kovalchuk and maybe Parisi. Those are the guys that are, like, in the mix for me. And, oh, and Hall, Taylor Hall. There's no doubt about Taylor Hall. But um, I just – I love what I see from Brad. He's like Marshan without, like, the pestiness. They play the exact same type of game minus – the licking and the post whistle scrums and like brat is like a much nicer version of Marshan in terms of the way they play what's up scocks uh or skokes excuse me what's up, skokes? um they they're just on fire they they do everything right they're gonna lose a game probably soon but maybe not the nhl record is 17 and they're four away from that. The Toronto Maple Leafs, we're going to get to them in a minute, like I said, because they have an issue that is worth talking about. But they are down Morgan Riley and Muzzin. And um, who's the other one they're down? Brody. Brody, Brody. Yeah, so they're three of their top four defensemen are out. I imagine Jack Hughes is licking his chops to play against the Toronto Marlies defense, plus Mark Giordano. And, you know, you would think a, a team like that, the, the Maple Leafs, are very dangerous because of their forwards. They have William Nylander and Mitch Marner and Austin Matthews and John Tavares, which is probably the best big four in the NHL, in my opinion. But the Devils, their big four is competing. I don't, they don't really have a fourth forward that is, like, on that level yet. I think Dawson right. Mercer can get there. The Devils have more of a big three, and then their fourth best player is a defenseman, Dougie Hamilton. But it's just, like... I don't even know what to say other than everything is going right for them. All of their goaltenders have played well. Um, they they haven't they've had a couple bad periods. There's no doubt that they've had a couple bad periods, and one bad period caused them their most recent loss. The second period against Washington on October 24th, Ovechkin scored a power play goal, and all these guys have just gone absolutely off in the second period. If the Devils won that game, they would currently be on a 17 game winning streak because they won the three before that. And they'd be looking to break the NHL record tonight. But, wow, I just – I'm not sure that there will ever be a more dominant stretch, even if the Devils go on to win a cup or two with this current core that they're putting together. Like like I said, that 0-1 Devils team is the best Devils team ever. I would take them against the 94 Stanley Cup champion – or the 95 Stanley Cup champion Devils. I would take them against the 2000 Stanley Cup champion Devils. And I would take them against the 2003 Stanley Cup champion Devils and the 2012 team that lost the Cup to the Kings. Um, it's just the best Devils team ever. And the, the fact that this Devils team is putting up numbers similar to them, it's just wild to me. It, it almost is like history is repeating itself, right? You had that great team in 2001, then won the Cup in 2003. You have a great team in 2022, maybe 2024, the Devils are going to win the Stanley Cup. Because, I don't know, I still don't think this is their year to win it, despite their success they're having. We talked about you have to kind of pay your debts um, in the NHL. But, yeah, for sure, they look fantastic. Things are clicking on all sides, goaltending, defense, offense. So that's something you like to see. And if they can keep up this goal differential that they're putting up, these crazy, crazy pluses in these periods. Um, yeah, they're they're not going to lose anytime soon. But tonight is definitely a tough test. But then again, I said that last week when they played Toronto as well. Um, so we'll, we'll see. That is something that's kind of becoming like a main or like a main difference between this team and that O one team is that O one team did have previous success. Danico Stevens, Niedermeyer had all won a cup already. Eliash won the cup the year before in two thousand. Like that team had won already. This team hasn't won shit. 
They haven't been good. They were good in 2017-18, Heischer's rookie year, before Jack Hughes came along because Taylor Hall had 93 points and they were getting five-on-three goals from guys like Brian Gibbons and whatnot. Like, Adam Henrique was traded for Votnin. Like, Keith Kincaid went on a heater before Blackwood came along or before Vanacek came along. Like, he was backing up Schneider and Schneider stunk, but Keith Kincaid came in. Um it, it's a little bit different in terms of how they got here because other than that year, they haven't been good since losing the cup in 2012. You bring up like playoff disappointment. We talked about this last week. Almost every Stanley cup champion in the last 10 years has gone through like significant playoff heartbreak before finally breaking through in the Stanley cup final. I mean, freaking the lightning, the lightning won back to back cups, but they lost the cup to Chicago in 2015. They got dummied by the Pittsburgh penguins in the 2017 Eastern conference finals. Like they made it far and lost and know what that joy or what that, uh, heartbreak felt like more than once and how hungry you have to be in order to actually win the Stanley Cup. The only team since I've been watching hockey that I can recall kind of like winning the cup in that first year that everything started to come together for them was that Kings team in 2012. That team made the playoffs by the skin of their, you know what, in the final game of the season as the eighth seed. And then they beat Vancouver in the first round, who was the one seed San Jose in the second round, which was the second seed. And then Arizona or Phoenix at the time in the third round, which was the third seed that Kings team. And then they beat the devils in the Stanley cup final. Outside of that team, I can't really think of a team that didn't have like some kind of playoff heartbreak in the past. And I mean, I'm thinking of like who my actual favorites are this year, like besides the Devils, the Bruins and Dallas come to mind. And Dallas lost the Stanley Cup final in the bubble to Tampa Bay. I think they're good enough to win the cup. We could get, I don't know if we're going to fully get to them in this episode. We'll definitely talk about the stars in future shows, though, because they are that good. Uh, I could see absolutely see them winning the cup. They've had the heartbreak. The Bruins, they won the cup in 11, but really only Marshan and Bergeron remain. Oh, and Krejci remain from that team. Like other than that, this, the team is like, oh, are you with me? Hello? I don't know if I'm alone or if I am by myself, but I was talking about the Boston Bruins and the Dallas Stars being amongst the only teams that Can you, hear me? you know have a chance to make it far. Are you with me now? Have I been going this whole time? Yeah, you're good. Your uh, picture's fuzzy. Oh, okay. So were you able to hear everything I was saying, though? Uh, yeah, just until a few seconds ago. Oh, you but froze. we're all good now? Yeah. Okay, that that some you know that's gonna happen from time to time. I'm honestly surprised it doesn't happen more to one of us. <laughs> um, so yeah, those are the teams I could see winning the cup. The ones who have had playoff heartbreak, like even some of the teams that have surprised but are in the top ten right now, Winnipeg, they lost in the conference finals in 2018. They are they are they cup good? They really might the Blues. Be. The Blues. We'll, we'll get the to Blues the Blues. Finally, won the cup, but they, how many times they lose to the Hawks, the Wild in the playoffs? Like many, yep. many consecutive years in a row, they lost, and then they finally won the cup. Abs Washington. Mm -hmm. I mean, Ovechkin raised that, and I still stand by the greatest picture ever taken in NHL history is when Robert Gordon, Bobby Orr flew through the air against the St. Louis Blues in the two thousand or the nineteen seventy Stanley Cup Final, the clinching goal where he flying Orr. Mm -hmm. That's the greatest picture ever taken in NHL history. The second greatest picture ever taken in NHL history was Alexander Ovechkin taking the cup from Gary Bettman. I truly 
truly believe that. And their reason is he's just such an all-time great player that was so far from the cup and so much heartbreak that when they finally did it, it was outstanding. So, yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat with you when it comes to the Devils and playoff experience. Now, before we get off the Devils, Keith Yandel sunk went on national television last couple games ago. It was actually their most recent game when they were playing Edmonton. He went on TV and said he, under no circumstance, sees the New Jersey Devils making it to the postseason in general. Would you like to sound Keith Yandel's opinion? Yeah, that's a bad opinion. I think, like, almost because of how well they've done and they've won 13 games in a row, I would almost say it solidifies them to make the postseason. Because even if you go 500 from here, which they will, I will assume, they're going to make the postseason. Um, and I know there's that crazy stat where I don't know if it's is it by Thanksgiving or Christmas if you're in a American spot. Thanksgiving. Yep. If you're in the spot, yeah. So I'll go with the odds here. I don't really see them playing less than 500 hockey the rest of the way. So that is a very poor opinion by Keith Handel. They have a 10-point lead on a playoff spot. Yeah. We talked about this last year, and I think last year you kind of came around on this a little bit. It is hard to make up 10 points. Yep. It is hard. Because when the Hawks started, oh, whatever and whatever, I was like, they're done. And other people were like, no, they're this winning streak that they're on. They have a chance. I'm like, yeah, they won six in a row and gained two points on the team ahead of them. Like that, And honestly – you would think a team like the Devils, after winning 12 games in a row, they would have way more than a 10-point cushion. Uh, yeah. They gained a five-game cushion by winning 12 games in a row. I know. It's tough. That's how hard it is. And you know what? A six points right there. Exactly. The loser point makes it hard. I understand that. Because while the Devils were winning 12 in a row, some of these teams that are losing games are still picking up standings points because they lose an overtime or a shootout or whatever. And that's why if it were up to me, the NHL would do the Olympic route, uh, three, two, one, zero for points awarded. Like I would give overtime losses one point and I would give regulation wins three points. Then I think you would start to see the better teams really climb to the top and stay there. But all, almost all the devil's wins are in red. Who'd they beat in overtime? They beat the Leafs in overtime. Um, when Yegor Sharangovich scored off the nice Jack Hughes feed. And then they beat Calgary in overtime the first time. And, what do you say really quick? I know I keep saying we'll get off the Devils, but I got one more question for you. Newsflash. I like the Devils. I like talking about them when they're good. Do you? What do you say to people who bash them for the, a level of competition that they've played against? Because they've beaten Edmonton, they've Calgary, beaten. Toronto, Colorado. Just because, they, yeah, have they also had uh, Arizona, Columbus, uh, Ottawa twice, like, yeah, but you have to play those teams too and beat those teams. Like, the Rangers aren't beating those teams every game. They lost to the Sharks. Beating Columbus, beating the Coyotes, those are must-win games later on in the season because when you're a bubble team and you need two points to make the playoffs, you're going to look back and say, hey, we should have beat Arizona. We should have beat Anaheim. We should have beat those teams because now it really makes a difference. So, I mean, you can't really go by that. Now, I know a lot of people say, like, oh, you beat this and that. But they swept the Eastern Canadian road trip, the Western Canadian road trip. They became the first team ever to do that. Um, and those aren't easy teams to play against. We see how well the Winnipeg Jets are playing. We see how well Toronto is. We see how well Edmonton is, Calgary. 
there's really no cupcake Canadian team besides, I guess you could say Montreal, but, and I wouldn't even say Ottawa's a cupcake, but I mean, those are tough things to do. And there's a reason nobody's ever done it before, because it, I'm telling you the level of difficulty it takes to do something like that. It's very tough. And they beat Colorado. So, I mean, no, there's nothing to be ashamed about. They haven't really beaten any cupcakes. And if they did those, you have to beat those teams anyway. So. If analytics decided the game instead of the actual outcome, they would have only lost one game on this win streak. The very first Edmonton game was the only game that they had the worse analytics than their opponent. You know, and that's going to happen from time to time. Yeah, and that's how you get, Frank, on 13-game winning streaks. You win games that you were outplayed in. Like, mm-hmm. you, you have to. Because other, otherwise, like, this kind of happens in every sport, especially hockey, and I would kind of say especially football. Like, you're going to lose games that you should win, and you're going to win games that you should lose. Like, Absolutely. what separates the Chiefs from the Bills this year? Like, the Chiefs have won some games where they haven't necessarily dominated, like the game against the Titans, right? And the Bills, if any game is close, they lose. So, like, that's kind of the difference between, like, the Devils and a team that's just pretty good right now. I would put the Bruins on that level, too. And, again, that's another team we'll get to in a minute. But, you know, 13-game heater, Toronto Maple Leafs tonight. We'll touch on the Leafs in a minute. But, Frank, I'm excited about the Devils. Your team, the Chicago Blackhawks. Yeah. Yeah, that face says it all. For those listening to the audio, Frankie had a visible frowny face when he – Heard the words uttered Chicago Blackhawks. They're down bad. They're bad, bad, man. I know they won a couple games early in the year and they were looking good, but they're they're like bad, bad. Like they're Connor Bedard bad. And this weekend proved it to me. They were absolutely smoked on the road against the Boston Bruins. And then they came home and were absolutely smoked by Sidney Crosby and the Pittsburgh Penguins. Frank, without getting into you know, some of the milestones or ceremonies that we watch, because we'll touch on those in their own right, just specifically talking hockey. Where are you on the Chicago Blackhawks right now? Well, just like Skoke says, it's, you know, part of the plan. Spot on. It is. It's part of the plan. I mean, I think finally they're coming down to earth, and you like to see them get a little confidence winning some games early on. It's always nice to see. I don't want them to go 0-82, and and that's not going to happen. But, you know, I, th- I think we're in a point right now where, you know, you lost the Bruins six to one, not a shock. You lost to the Penguins five to three, not a shock either. Really. You're, I mean, you're playing against teams that are better than you. Those are the games that you're expected to lose. Um, but it, it's like now as we get almost, not even almost halfway or like 33% of the way through the season, as you get to this point in the season, it's hard to have continued, consistent success with a team that is built the way the Hawks team is built. And if the plan is to rebuild and the plans to, you know, get some draft picks, potentially win the draft lottery, this is what you expect over a long period of time. A game, a season's not 20 games, a season's 82 games. So when we see what the Hawks are going through right now, it was all part of the plan. Like Skoke said, um, I, yeah, I, I, that's all I really got to say is I expect, the Hawks to continue to be like this for the remainder of the year. I expect them to miss the postseason, and they got a tough matchup tonight 
against the Dallas Stars. You're going into Dallas with a team where you got like Robertson. Robertson's playing out of his mind. He has five goals and three assists in his last five games alone, which yeah, that is just like insane. A mix of Richard. Uh, yeah, I know. And uh, freaking Joe Pavelski's like found new life lately. He's got seven points in his past five games. And what was the key? Not to stray too much away from the Blackhawks, but what was the key we talked about on how what makes the Dallas Stars a good team or a contender? What needs to happen? We said that Jamie Benn and Tyler Sagan need to perform. And what is that? What has happened? They've been performing. Jamie Benn is over point per game with eight goals and 12 assists. Tyler Sagan, a little less productive, but still productive enough. He's got 15 points in 19 games. Dallas Stars are going to be a very tough ask to, for the Chicago Blackhawks to beat tonight on the road. And it's just once again going to be one of those games. And a lot of Chicago fans just they shouldn't be surprised because this is what the script read at the beginning of the season. And I know sometimes you don't like to go by the script, but I think because of the way this team is built, like I said before, um, this is kind of kind of what we got to expect with going forward. And they're going to win some games they shouldn't win, and they're going to lose some games that you think they have a chance in, maybe against like Anaheim or uh, Arizona or one of those teams. But, you know, over the course of the year, they might take a game off the Lightning or they may beat Colorado or the Wild or something, but that's just part of sports, and that's going to happen, especially when you're going through this rebuilding process. I couldn't agree more with – and. This is going to make me sound like a hater. I wore a Blackhawk shirt knowing we, I was going to say this on the show today just so people don't think I absolutely hate them. I actually really like the Blackhawks. If it wasn't if it wasn't for <laughs> the Blackhawks, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll get funny. to Shane right. We'll get funny. to Shane right. I actually it, – it wasn't written down, but after I wrote the show last night, something happened with Shane oh, Wright I know. That, <laughs> that I want to touch on here. Um, he – the – I don't want people to think I don't like the Blackhawks when I say this. I want them to lose every single game. I'm not even kidding. And they <laughs> they are so good, the Buffalo Bills. I'll tell you. They're fucking awesome. Um, the Chicago Blackhawks stink, and I want them to stink. If it were up to me, they would trade everyone on an expiring contract. I... I know what it's like to have my heart ripped out. I've seen Kovalchuk, Parisi, and Clarkson leave the Devils in two off-seasons. Like, and I've seen what it can lead to. They've won two lotteries. Now look at them. The Blackhawks, they were so bad for so long. They won the lottery once. They struck gold with Taves, third overall. It's They got two Hall of Famers, two of their five greatest players ever. That's how it happens a lot of the time. And uh, Bedard is, in my opinion... And I've always thought this. Bedard is in another stratosphere from Shane Wright. He might there. I don't know if anyone is McDavid. I've never seen a player like McDavid. No, but like, like Crosby's not even McDavid. Crosby was so great at Crosby might have 2000 points in his career, but it's kind of by being a superstar grinder, working yep. hard down low, being great in front of the net, being smarter than everybody else. Connor McDavid is just so much better than everybody else at everything in hockey. He's a better goal scorer than everyone. He's a better uh, stick handler than everyone. He's faster than everyone. It's just unbelievable how much of a, like a thinker of the game he is combined with the skills. It's almost like if you were to take Sidney Crosby and Pavel Datsuk and mix them together and you get Connor. Oh, and you give them like, I don't know. You give them Dylan Larkin speed or something like that, and then you know, multiply the speed by two. Like I don't want to cut you off here, but you know what Connor Bedard 
kind of is. I think he's the closest thing we could get to a Connor McDavid. Yes, I agree. The closest thing. Do I think he's better than – He's not better than Matthews or McKinnon right now. He might not even be better than Jack Hughes or Nikita Kucherov or those guys right now. But I think his ceiling, his ceiling is the second best player in the NHL. Well, I don't think, you know, Bedard comes into the league and he's going to score 100 points in his rookie season. No, but it's I can all see him about, 70. No, right. It's all about development. Kind of like, um, who's a good example? Well, Jack Hughes had 30 points in his rookie year. McKinnon had 50. Yeah, but a little 50. bit more. But a little bit more. McDavid had 70. Did Kaprizov? Kaprizov had all. Well, it was the short season. There's a different. Kaprizov was 24 years old. Uh-huh. He right. played Bedard. in the KHL for five he's years. He's 18, right? Bedard? Yeah. Bedard didn't. Bedard will. His first pro game ever will be in the NHL. That, that, that wasn't the case for Kaprizov. I'm, okay, who was really good in the rookie year that young? McDavid and Matthews. Mm-hmm. Matthews had 69 points in his rookie year. He had 40 goals and 29 assists for a very nice 69 Matthews, points. In his Matthews year. is a perfect example. Bedard, I don't know if he's the shooter that Matthews is, though. I was going to say, I don't know about the 40 goals, but the points. Yeah, yeah, sure. yeah. And, okay, so Jack Hughes had 30-something points in his rookie year. He sure had 50. I'm trying to think. Makar and uh, Darlene are defensemen. And I'm not just saying first overall picks. I'm saying highly drafted players. Um, Like Dreisaitl, it took time. I don't think it's going to take that much time with Bedard. I really don't. I think he's going to be like a Kaprizov. You think Dak, like, 80 points right away? Yeah, I do. About 80. Yeah. About point per game, almost. Here's the thing for me. It depends on who drafts him. If the Blackhawks draft him and Taves and Kane are gone, and because even if they don't trade him this year, there's a chance they're gone. They're free agents. Um, You know, Debrinket's gone. Max Domi's on a one-year deal. It might be hard to maximize your offensive abilities on a team like that. Kind of like Jack Hughes. You know, his line mates were like, I don't even remember who his line mates were. Was it like, no, Michael Camilleri was before Jack Hughes. I don't even remember who Jack Hughes' line mates were. That's how irrelevant they were when he first came into the league, like on the third line. But that would be the Hawks' top line. Mm-hmm. If he went to Anaheim, who's very much in the running for Bedard, then we could be talking 70, 80, 90 points. Like, because he'll play with Zegris or McTavish. He'll have Drysdale in the back end. Like, there's, it kind of depends for me who he plays with. Even if he went to Arizona and played with Keller, I think the sky's the limit for him. The Hawks, I do think the Hawks would make a big move for someone to play with Bedard if they won the draft lottery, just so they can get him into the league feeling good about himself. That would be a smart move, in my opinion. But that's all, all we're circling back to here is why it's kind of a good thing for the Blackhawks to just stay the course. If a team offers you two firsts and a B-level prospect for Kane, you do it. You might not have to retain on Kane. Taves is actually having a better season so far, in my opinion. But we know Kane has the higher upside right now. I don't know. This Blackhawks team is confusing. They get Seth Jones back tonight. I don't know if that'll 
that's not going to help them win a crap ton of games, but it'll help them probably not get outshot 46 to 20. It'll help their D a ton. I mean, he's not going to score. He's not an offensive defenseman, but he's a very good defensive defenseman. Yeah, and he's good on the power play. So, eh, I don't know. This Blackhawks team, it's going to be a while, but stay the course because even if you don't win the lottery and you get Fantilli. I was just going to say that. <laughs> Like, Fantilli's amazing, and I love Mitchkov. And there are people out there. I'm not one of them, but there are people out there. And the fact that there are people out there, it means something to me because I'm not the end-all, be-all. Um, Joey Parisi's in the chat for the first time in a long time. What's so up, JP? Fellas, happy Thanksgiving and go Ducks tonight. Joey Parisi is going to the game tonight at the Honda Center between the New York Rangers and the Anaheim Ducks. We will be sure to be tuned into that one. It's only um, noon over there, twelve thirty. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And he's in Dude's the chat. Just right having now. his lunch. Yeah, he's on vacation. Um, the reason he knew to come in the chat, remembered to come in the chat, he sent me a funny GIF or a funny meme of a train with a Devils and a Bruins logo on it, destroying a bus that has an NHL logo on it. <laughs> so that's what how the Ducks play The Ducks play the Rangers. Yeah, no. Joey's, Joey's gonna watch the Ducks get killed by the frig- the Rangers' second half of a back-to-back, though. Yaroslav Halak. Doesn't matter. It's the other way around in the in the, in the NHL. On the second half to a back-to-back, you'll win in the NHL. I hope the Ducks destroy Yaroslav Halak. <laughs> um, I don't know the Blackhawks if they. And so what I was getting at, Mitchkov. He's locked into the KHL for three more years, I think. But it might be worth the wait if you have the third overall pick. It really might be. There are people, and again, I'm not the smartest person in the world. Just because I don't necessarily agree doesn't mean I'm right. They believe that Mitchkov is, like, close to Bedard. Like, not quite Bedard, but, like, he'd be the clear-cut second overall pick if the whole KHL contract thing wasn't a problem. So the Blackhawks, if they finish with the worst record in the league, are going to get a good player because you can only finish minimum of third if you have the worst record in the league. I don't think they're going to finish with the worst record in the league, though. I mean, I'm looking at the standings right now. The only teams below them are Vancouver, who's tied with them. Arizona has one last point. Ottawa has two less points, and the Ducks have four less points. And when the Ducks beat the Rangers tonight, they will have <laughs> two less points. <laughs> You're a very confident man. I want the Ducks to win while they're in attendance so bad. They're going to a Ducks game with someone who loves the Ducks. Yeah. Shout out, Mike. Happy birthday to you. I hope the Ducks get a big win for you. I'm rooting for the Ducks. Let's go, Ducks. Quack, quack, quack. With that tug boat horn. Are they going to be able to hear it in the stadium? Or what? The big, did the duck score or what? I just hear a muffle in the background. I like the duck's horn. So do I. You know? No, I do. It's a but good it's horn. Like, and then they play that one song. Whoa. I like the duck's Whoa. horn. It's so low. It is low. It's like, get with the times. <laughs> That's something That's that funny. they just had to come up with back in the day. They had to just pick something up like quick. Think of something. Go, Johnny, go ring your boat horn. We're going to record it really quick so we can play it when the Ducks score. Do you know who owns the Ducks? Nah. Disney. Disney owns two teams. So Walt the Disney Mighty Ducks of Anaheim. There's a movie after them. 
and angels in the outfield there's a movie after them there's a reason those two teams are in those movies because disney owns them um but yeah i love how just talking about the blackhawks led to us talking about the mighty ducks because of jp being in the chat but i blame jp yeah so blackhawks they stink they're bad bad like they're lottery sweepstakes team for sure I do believe Bedard goes to one of Anaheim, Ottawa, Arizona, Vancouver, Chicago, Columbus. I think Buffalo, San Jose, Washington, the teams right above them, all those teams I named, I think they will have good stretches and bad stretches and still be a bad team, but competitively bad. Um, I think that the Blackhawks are in that mix with those five teams. I actually think Vancouver is going to rise above too. I'm actually I'm removing them from that list. Anaheim, Ottawa, Arizona, Chicago, Columbus. That's my Bedard's going to one of those five. The Hockey Network has the Hawks taking Leo Carlson from third overall. No, I know about Leo Carlson. He's going to go in the top five for sure. That means that whoever wrote that blog believes that there are going to be teams bullish on taking Mitchkov, which is very likely to happen. That I mean that is I've never heard of this guy. Do you remember do you remember the 2019 draft? When Hughes went first overall, Capo Caco went second to the Rangers, and I was adamant that the Blackhawks should take Bowen Byram third overall. Yeah. They took Bach. Um, yeah. Fourth was Turcotte. Fifth was drawing a blank on who fifth was. Oh, it might have been Moritz Sider. Anyway, fifth, no, I think sixth was Moritz Sider. The kid who was supposed to go third or was supposed to go fourth after Bowen Byram even ahead of Kirby Doc, was Vasily Podkolzin, who okay. plays for the Vancouver Canucks now. The Canucks took him 10th overall. He fell all the way to 10th because of a very similar situation with Mitch Cobb. Now, I think Mitch Cobb is worlds better than Podkolzin. Podkolzin's very okay right now, but, you know, he's not a superstar or anything like that. Contributing NHL player, fine. But the draft, I heard Steve Dangle say this one time, the draft is like the big scary tiger cave in Aladdin. And you just walk in and you never know what you're going to get. And sometimes it could just be the big scary monster in there who just wants to slumber. Um, He says that they have Mitchkov going four to Philly. How would you feel about that? I would feel that Kyle Davidson clearly wants to draft people who are going to be able to come over and be a part of his organization right away. If he's okay with waiting, he'll take Mitchkov. The only person in the world who knows that like mindset of the team is Kyle Davidson and his staff and maybe not even his staff, maybe just him. If it were me running a team or if it's me evaluating Kyle Davidson, it's like, dude, you told me it's a five-year plan. So what the age difference does it make if Mitch Koff comes next year, the year after or the year after that, like you're telling me it's a five-year plan. You draft a better player then. Right. If you think Mitch Koff is a better player, but you got to wait three years for him, but you're telling me it's a five-year deal. It almost lines up perfectly. So, how would you feel? I mean, I kind of agree with you. But what I meant is, like, how would you feel about him going to Philly? Oh. Yeah, that would suck. <laughs> yeah, because in the freaking Metro, it, it already is a disaster in the Metro. You have Crosby, Malkin on Pittsburgh. You have Ovechkin on the Capitals. Um, Jack Hughes and Nico Heischer are on the Devils. Um Carolina's loaded with Aho and Svechnikov. Svechnikov might be the best a top five goal scorer in the league. Um, and Tara Vine is like a death player. They have great defense. Mm-hmm. Um, the Islanders, they don't have like a star, 
but they just always play a good sound game. The Rangers have Fox and Shesterkin, who are going to be the backbone of that team for a long time. Panarin and Kreider and Zibanejad are all going to get old. They haven't done a good job developing Lafreniere or Kako, but they have, you know, a good foundation. Columbus has hockey, but like an elite winger, like outside of Philly and Columbus, they really don't have like this future super duper star to build around. So if they got Mitchkov and he became that guy, that would be less than ideal. Yeah. Um, speaking of the Blackhawks on Sunday, they raised the banner that commemorates Marion Hosa's nine year career with the Chicago Blackhawks spanning from 2009 to 2018, where he became one of the greatest players to ever don a Chicago Blackhawks sweatshirt. In my opinion, Marion Hosa was the key cog that glued the Blackhawks together that what they needed, they had Taves, they had Kane, they were both young. One was an elite scoring winger. One was an elite two-way centerman. They brought in a winger that was a combination of both. And he scored with the best of them. He defended with the best of them. Yeah. And they won three cups as a result of his leadership. There's only a couple wingers in the game right now that I can even slightly compare to Marion Hosa. Mark Stone is the first one that comes to mind, like the two-way winger, like the only wingers that could win the Selkie trophy. And Marion Hosa was absolutely one of those types of guys. He was a first ballot Hall of Famer for a reason. I don't think people realize how great he actually was because he was a little bit less known than Patrick Kane, Jonathan Davis. He's from Slovakia, not necessarily like they they were much they were much more of a hockey powerhouse during Marion Hosa's time than they are right now. I do think they are starting to make a little bit of a comeback. But man, Marion Hosa, he's the first player in Blackhawks history to ever wear number eighty one, and he will be the last player in Blackhawks history to ever wear number eighty one. So Frank, you are the diehard Blackhawks fan. You are the one whose emotions live and die with this team. What was your takeaway from Marion Hosa's jersey retirement ceremony? It was very emotional for me to watch. Um, I love Marion Hosa. You know, I think it was really cool that you brought back everybody he's won three Stanley Cups with. And maybe they waited until Jalmerson was retired, till Keith were retired, to have this ceremony so everybody could be there. It's almost like they had this plan for a while and just finally put it into motion. Good to see Edzo back doing the ceremony. Pat Foley narrating the little uh, video they were doing, the video clip to honor Hosa. He signed on my birthday in 2009, which is also really cool. Thought it was cool that, you know, he's the only Blackhawk to wear 81 and will be the last player or the last Blackhawk to wear 81. It's just, it was very, um, very emotional for me. Uh, also, if uh, for those that didn't watch the ceremony or didn't get a chance to, he also kind of alluded to the fact that there will be more Jersey retirements to come. Obviously talking about Kane, Taves, uh, Keith who I think should be, their numbers should be retired automatically um, because they were just as big as parts of the team as Hosa was. However, if the Hawks never did sign Marion Hosa, I wouldn't. I don't know if I could sit here and say they'd have three Stanley Cups in, from 2010, 13, and 15. I don't think it would have happened, to be honest. Um, he was such a crucial part of their team from offense to his amazing defense, and especially on the penalty kill where he was able to kill penalties and score shorthanded goals if he needed to. At the time when he was playing, he was the active leader in shorthanded goals. You have this legend now. Sign, he signed the one day as a Blackhawk so he could retire as a, a Blackhawk. Um, it, it was just honestly incredible to see. I love Marion Hosa. He will go down as one of my favorite Blackhawks um, of all time. Um, but yeah, he, he was incredible and I'm happy that he's finally has his, uh, 
legacy cemented with this organization and will forever. And just like Skoke says, there is only 181, and that's Marion Hosa. Only 181. Amongst players that won three Stanley Cups with Marion Hosa, every single one of them was there. That is Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taves, uh, Brent Seabrook, Duncan Keith, Patrick Sharp, and Nicholas Yalmerson. There were also a couple players in attendance that weren't on the ice for the ceremony, but they were in the suite celebrating with Marion Hosa during the game. They won at least one cup with Marion Hosa, including Corey Crawford, Andrew Ladd, Adam Burrish, Michael Roosevelt, Michael Hanzus, and Brian Bickle. It was a very special moment. Yeah, and honestly, that's the first time a lot of them have seen each other since winning the Stanley Cup and all the festivities that came from that in 2018. I saw on the broadcast, Patrick Sharp is an analyst. He wasn't an analyst that night. He was just a guest on the show that day, but he's typically an analyst for every other game besides the Marion Hosa game. And he said that was the first time he saw guys like John Merson. Oh, I didn't even bring up, I forgot this too. Johnny Oduya was there as well. It was his first time seeing Johnny Oduya and Yalmerson and all these guys since the festivities that came from winning the cup in 2015. So you know, it's good to see all that back together. And my favorite part of the entire thing um, was when Marion Hosa, he's giving his speech, and he didn't even talk about himself one time. His entire speech was basically him thanking every single person that helped him get to that point. And he said that he's going to be flying back into Chicago for a few more of these. And I'm yep. thinking to myself. He's spot on. They went 25 years or something without retiring a number. Now they're going to retire five or six, I would think. I mean, nah, they're five, not going to retire five, seven. Five's pushing it, but I would say there's three I'm, locks. There's three locks. If they did host, so they're doing Taves, Kane, and Keith. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Taves and Kane are going to take a long time, so you have to take that into consideration too. Part of me thinks they'll retire seven twice. Because Chelios is with the organization again, and Seabrook is well deserving. Like, it wouldn't be surprised if they like kind of do a tribute to both of them. Um, and then you're probably not going to retire four. I say that the Devils retired Danico's number though, and Yalmerson is their Danico. Like the defensive minded doesn't have gaudy statistics, but was so crucial to winning multiple Stanley Cup champ. And we're not when I say multiple, we're not even talking two. We're talking three, mm-hmm. which is just undeniably awesome. But it was a lot of fun to watch. I truly enjoyed the Marion Hosa ceremony. It was great to have Edzel home. Oh, yeah. It was great to see him again. That game also, Frank, was the 1,000th in the career of Evgeny Malkin, one of the greatest players ever. He scored a goal. Thoughts on Gino Gino? Yeah, I mean – it's kind of crazy that you have this ceremony and then he gets his 1000th uh, game. Um, and he, you know, he, like you said, he scored a goal. Um, his son, Nikita actually read the starting uh, lineup in his dad's honor, which was pretty cool. Um, it was good to see his family there uh, in Chicago. And what I thought was interesting is they all did the Malkin pregame warm up, which is really weird. They were all sitting out there as the Hawks were skating on the other end of the ice. They're all laying on their backs, doing their little pregame uh, warm-up. But just like Hosa was a big part of the Hawks' three cups, Evgeny Malkin was a huge part of the Penguins' three cups. And just the same thing as Hosa, this team 
may not have had three cups or as much success without Malkin. Because, you know, when you think of the Pittsburgh Penguins, you kind of got that three-headed dragon. You got Chris Letang, Sidney Crosby, and um, Evgeny Malkin. And when you don't have one of those three, you're not as strong as you are. And I, I truly believe that it takes all part of a puzzle to be as successful. And when you remove one of those key pieces of the puzzle, things just aren't the same. And uh, yeah, Evgeny Malkin, absolute legend. You know, I know not only did, you know, he had plenty of or teammates, you know, congratulate him for getting to the thousand games, but Mario Lemieux also uh, had a post on social media congratulating, congratulating him and just stating on how important he is to this franchise. Um, yeah, I, I don't know if his he's the type of guy to spend his whole career with the Pittsburgh Penguins, but Penguins fans need to enjoy it while it lasts because he is a major part of this organization. Yeah, there was a long time where, in my opinion, he was the second best player in the NHL. And the only guy ahead of him was his teammate, Sidney Crosby. And they were both teammates with Marion Hossa in 2008 when they lost the Stanley Cup final to the Detroit Red Wings. And Malkin, you might remember in 2017 when the NHL celebrated its 100th birthday and they named the 100 greatest players who ever lived. And Evgeny Malkin wasn't named. And that, that's the only one that really pissed me off. Like, you're telling me, like, like Buddy Jones from 1920 was better than Evgeny Malkin? Get the H out of here. Not only is he a top 100 player ever, he's a top 20 player ever. Just look at his statistics. Three Stanley Cups, two Art Rosses, a Hart Trophy, a Conn Smythe. He is one of the greatest players ever. You can even think about creeping him near the top 10 all time. Okay, and the only active players in the top 10, in my opinion, are Ovechkin and Crosby. McDavid's making his way up the ladder. He's got 700 points. He can barely legally rent a car. Like, you know, he'll be in that mix as well. But Evgeny Malkin has just been so incredible. He's already close to 1,200 points. He just got his 1,000th game. Like, he's one of the best players ever. There's uh, Ovechkin is the better career but I would take Malkin's prime over Ovechkin's prime. The best five I would take. And Ovechkin's going to break Wayne Gretzky's goal record, so like he's going to end up being considered a greater player all time. But it's just the things that Evgeny Malkin has done has been so great, and I'm so happy that we got to watch that game. And he you know, scored a goal, and Sidney Crosby, his longtime running mate, helped to lead the charge on getting them a win on the road. And the Penguins, after a little tough stretch there, they appear to be, like, back in the mix a little bit. Like, yep. they're not a lock to make the playoffs, but they are certainly right back in the mix, and they'll be a bubble team all season long. And Evgeny Malkin's resurgence and being in healthy and whatnot is a huge reason why. I agree. You like the number 1,000? It's an all right number. It's a pretty nice number. Yeah. 1,000. Patrice Bergeron scored his 1,000th point in the Boston Bruins' most recent game. He is one of four Boston Bruins players to score 1,000 points while wearing a Bruins jersey. Of course, appropriately, it was an assist on a goal scored by Brad Marchand, who is his longest running mate of any player he's played with in his career. So, Frank, Patrice Bergeron, what's your take on his incredible career? Patrice Bergeron has always been my favorite Boston Bruins player of all time. So I'm glad to see him hit a milestone of 1,000. When Patrice Bergeron scored or 
scored the assist, I should say, the Bruins had a video prepared for him waiting to congratulate him on everything, which which is something fantastic. Um, I don't know if they played that during the game or if that was later on in the locker room because I wasn't watching the game, i got to be honest with you. But I did hear that the Bruins had a video prepared for him, which I thought was just really nice because, you know, he's been with the team so long that he is, has so many connections in this organization and so many friendships. And just to see him have so much success and be a major part of today's team, this president trophy leading team right now in the national hockey league um, at his age is just, it's simply incredible. Um, I'm going to put you on the spot here. There's also, he became the eighth active NHL player with a thousand points. Do you know the other seven? Sidney Crosby, Alex Ovechkin, Patrick Kane, Andre Kopitar, Nicholas Backstrom. Oh, you're so deep. Um, Evgeny Malkin. Yeah, you need one more. This Eric this is the tough Stahl. one. Oh, yeah, you got it. You Eric got it. Stahl. That's the tough one, though, out of all of them. Yeah, because he's like on the Florida Panthers, and not many people realize that. <laughs> yeah, nobody think of like Eric Stahl as like this yeah, one, yeah, yeah. Guy, which is a shame because he has had a freaking amazing career as yeah, well. Oh, yeah. I mean, not as much success as these other guys on this list, but still, Eric Stahl's a great player in my eyes, and yeah, he'll be in the Hall of Fame. Absolutely. Didn't he win it with the Hurricanes, their first he, cup? He did. He did. Yeah. He's a Stanley Cup champion, 1,000 points, 1,000 games. I th- I'd i put him in the hall. Multiple oh, I would too. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. A great two-way player, captain, face of a franchise for so long. Bounced around a little bit towards the end of his career. Had a resurgence with the Wild. Yeah. Eric Stahl. Oh, I believe he's an Olympic gold medalist. I'm pretty sure. He was on – I can't remember if he was on Sochi or Vancouver or both, but he was definitely an Olympic gold medalist, uh, second overall pick, like just super-duper star Eric Stahl, one of the more underrated players in NHL history, I'd say, at this point. I totally agree. So Patrice Bergeron, though, he's an absolute legend. He will go down as one of the greatest two-way centermen to ever live, if not the greatest two-way centermen to ever live. He just reached 1,000 points. He has played in over 1,100 games. He's not quite point per game, but he's close. There's a reason he's always a contender for the Selkie. And he's won it an NHL record five times. Mm -hmm. He is literally a perfect center. He's a first-round Hall of Famer. Without question. He is a mix. He's a mix of Taves and Crosby. He's them in one player, and he will go down as one of the greatest players ever, and he's doing all this with the Bruins, who are one of the marquee franchises in the NHL, and they've only been good with him. I believe they've only missed the playoffs twice in his career, two or three times in his whole career. He's a Stanley Cup champion. Um, They've been to two other Cups, Olympic gold. Yep. I mean, this guy, World Cup champion. Mm-hmm. Played a huge role in winning the World Cup, honestly. That line of Sidney Crosby, Brad Marchand, and Patrice Bergeron, because Bergeron played wing in the World Cup, so he could play with Crosby. That's the greatest mm-hmm. hockey line I've ever seen. I don't want to hear anything else. That's the greatest <laughs> hockey line I've ever seen. I wasn't around if Gretzky played with Lemieux in the Canada Cup or whatever. Didn't see it. Don't care. Bergeron, Marchand, Crosby, greatest line I've ever watched with these working eyeballs. And he, when I say he's a perfect center, 
I truly believe if you could just build a two-way center in a lab using machines, Bergeron would come out. And it is just unbelievable what he's done. Sure, as Bucci, our friend of the program, John Bucci Goss, points out on Twitter often, it's it was nice to get pasta added to his line at 30 years old. That would make anybody's life easier. Um, Kopitar and Taves would have more points than they do if they got pasta added to their line. There's no doubt about it because those are kind of the guys in the same vein as Bergeron and like their style in terms of their style of play. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't matter because he's helped pasta. There's just no way he hasn't helped, helped pasta dessert, uh, not deserve, helped him grow his game. So I think the world of Patrice Bergeron, and he's an absolute legend, yeah. and the Bruins are a wagon. And just watching him take faceoffs is incredible. Mind-boggling. And him and Taves are the two best, in my opinion, of all time. All time. I, you know, I could get down with that. I, could I mean, get Taves down is that. leading this year in face-off percentage. Yeah, I mean, it, no matter how much these guys age, I, I feel like you could be 55 and you'll still be a great face-off player. Like, that doesn't go away with age. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Bergeron is top five. Yeah, Bergeron is fourth. All time? Or no, this year? This year. And Taves is one. Yeah, Taves is one. Johansson's two. Chandler Stevenson is three. I would say they're the two greatest of all time. I would happen to agree. Because Chandler Stevenson and Johansson, as good as they are, they're not in the top five every year. They rotate. Yeah, exactly. And not on, on top of that, the, the career that Taves and Bergeron has had just make it even better. Like you're able to do that and still have three Stanley cups. It's just simply incredible. You know what I mean? Yes. He's the perfect two way centerman. I I would add more points for better uh, defense or for better. I wouldn't add better offense and get rid of defense. I wouldn't add better defense and get rid of offense. He's just literally the perfect mix. And there's no wonder why the Bruins have been so good pretty much his entire career, including this year where they are the best team active in the NHL right now in terms of the standings. They are 17-2-2. Two and two. Mm-hmm. Frank. That's crazy. I honestly believe that the Nashville Predators and St. Louis Blues watch this show. Good. It's about last, time. Last week, we did a segment in period number two called Buy or Sell. And in buy or sell, we went through a bunch of prompts. I actually did. I I did save the piece. I have the piece of paper with last week's buy or sell right here. Predators, Blues, Blue Jackets. One of them makes the playoffs. Buy or sell. Frank and I both bought. The reason we bought was because we have no faith in the Columbus Blue Jackets. Screw them. They're going to come in last place. But the Nashville Predators and St. Louis Blues are both Good enough for us to think that one of them could make it to the postseason. I want to go on the record and say that I still don't think the Blues are going to make it to the postseason, but the Predators. Well, regardless, they're, they're, they both they both are a reason you buy that prompt. Yep. In my opinion. They are. Well, yep. neither of them have lost a game since I made that prompt and presented it on the program. And they are both tied for the final wild card spot with 20 standings points. I what thought the Predators thing? lost in overtime or something. Maybe they did. Maybe they did. They they both have they've both have been on a roll and are now tied for a playoff spot since last week when we were crapping on them, saying they need to be better in order for this buy or sell to work. Yeah, I know the um, 
the St. Louis Blues have won seven in a row with wins, and those they've had some key wins in there. Um, like seven in a row Ooh. against the Avalanche and the Knights, and both of those came on the road, which are that's very impressive to do. Uh, you know, and when this team gets hot, you got Cairo, Thomas, Shen, Tarasenko. You've seen what happens when Bennington gets hot. You know, that they ended up winning the cup when he was on a roll and won uh, when he got really hot. And then on the other hand, you got the Predators who collected seven of eight possible points. Um, but that to me, for the Predators, it was just a matter of time before this happens because they're, they have such a talented team. The pace that they were on and like they just, the way they were playing, just it didn't seem right with this roster that they have. So to me, it was only a matter of time before something like this happened. As much I, I'm like, let me get this out there. I'm not a Predators fan. I'm not, I really don't like the team by any means, just because of the rivals with the Hawks over the years and the heartbreak they've given me. And, but I mean, this is a very talented roster and a very talented team that they will make the playoffs. I'm very confident in that. If the Blues make the playoffs, I wouldn't be surprised, but I still don't think they're going to, despite winning seven in a row. Because even though, like, you won seven in a row, they still didn't make up a ton of ground. I mean, yeah. They did, right? They're contending for the Central Division. But when you look at the teams at the top of the Central Division, Winnipeg, Dallas, Colorado, Nashville's ahead of you, it's going to be a battle down the stretch in the Central Division. It's not going to be easy, but for sure, I'm glad we bought in on that prompt because I think we're going to turn out to be right. I like it. I love it. I no. want some more no. of it. I try so hard thank you crawford may we have another he shoots he scores you suck crawford crawford you suck it's all your fault it's all your fault that shit cracks me up every time except for when they're playing the devils i think nashville and st louis get in not high on the blues or not high on the crack and i'm saying we'll see about winnipeg then that might force one of Nashville or St. Louis out, but I, I also think how Edmonton's going to possibly get in. Um, I don't know. Dallas is probably not going anywhere. They weren't a team I had in. Uh, the Wild, I think, are donezo, only because their wow. depth took a big hit with losing Kevin Fiala, and I'm I'm just I'm not high on the Wild right now. Like that could absolutely change after Christmas and whatnot, and. You know, they could go on a run and I'll be right back in on the wild. I kind of like the wild. I still root for the wild, even though Zach Parisi's not there anymore. But, you know, I like the wild. I like them more than any of the other teams I just named in terms of like my fanhood. But in terms of like what I'm seeing with my own two eyeballs, Edmonton and Calgary are struggling, but they did last year too. I fully expect them to be right there in the mix by the time we reach January, February, like the all-star break-ish. Mm-hmm. Um, I need a battle of Alberta in the postseason again. I don't want a one and done. Like it was so nice to have one last year. And if we didn't get another one this year, that'd be really disappointing. But <laughs> Nashville and St. Louis, they're on a roll. They'll be right in the mix all season long. The blues. I hate Jordan Bennington, but they got good forwards. Pavel Buchnevich was the second star of the week last week. And they're just, they're just fun. And so like in Nashville is too. And We'll see what happens, but it's good to know they listen to our show. I we think motivated that, them. I do think the Blues could get it done with Bennington, though, because we've so seen it I. before. So do I. I just hate him as a person. He sucks. There you go. <laughs> there you have we it. We touched on the St. Louis, or the, not this, we just literally touched on the St. Louis Blues. The 
Toronto Maple Leafs. They are on the road in Newark to face the New Jersey Devils. Um, really quick, Skoke says, I hope Columbus are still better for the Blackhawks' sake. Yeah, I, the Columbus Blue Jackets are better than the Blackhawks, in my opinion. They, they are. Um, they get good production. Like, Goudreau is sticking around. Like, they have better goaltending, in my opinion. Their D is better. Wierenski being out for the year really hurts them. If I were if I were Columbus, I would sell off and try to get Bedard and try to be worse than the Hawks. But you know, we'll see what the management decides to go with there. But back to the Leafs, they're missing now Morgan Riley, who was just put on the injured list. He's going to be missing for a couple weeks now. So he joins TJ Brody, and um, now I'm drawing a blank on the other one. Uh, Muzzin, Jake Muzzin. Muzzin and Brody, yeah, yeah. So their D is now down. To Mark Giordano on the top pair with Justin Hall. So former Norris Trophy winning Mark Giordano, but that was like seven years ago, and he's in his high 30s now. Their second pair of Rasmus Sandin and Timothy Lilligren. That's a pretty good second pair. I think that probably would still be their second pair or their third pair if they were fully healthy. But I, Timothy Lilligren is awesome. We saw him get drafted live. Mm-hmm. Victor Mete on the third pair with Jordy Ben. Jordy Ben has been pretty good with the Toronto Maple Leafs this year, but I think the New Jersey Devils are going to absolutely feast on that D. But even with this D, they've been collecting points and winning some games. They are currently 10-5-5. I like where the Leafs are right now if they add those three back by the end of the season, and Matthews is really going to start getting going. He scored just one of the most beautiful tip goals you'll ever see. Like, he tipped it where the trajectory of the puck had to jump up three feet to hit the corner of the net. And I like people are like, oh, do they do that on purpose? Yeah, they absolutely do that on purpose. Matthews knew exactly what he was trying to do when he tipped that puck and it went in the upward trajectory like that. Did he know it was going to perfectly hit the corner like that? You hope for that. But he knew he was projectiling that puck in the upper left direction, and it was either going to hit the post or go just wide or go in the net, and it certainly went in the net. And I still think he's going to be amongst the league leader in goals. He only had, like, he's at the exact same pace he was last year, which is just wild to me that he ended up with 60 looking back. Like, he ended up with 60 goals after having 10 goals in his first 20 games last year. And so – if he really starts to turn it on, like I think he's going to, he's gonna, he's got a couple hat tricks still in the book, like ready to come out. Like Austin Matthews is going to get going really soon. He already kind of is, and I'm I'm high on the leaps in terms of their regular season performance. They're in second place in the um, Atlantic Division. That's probably where they will land. I mean, they're nine points behind the Bruins for first place. Those games can be made up with head to heads and whatnot, but it's going to be interesting. I think the Leafs, though, with this D, they got to tread water through Christmas. They need some of their guys to step up now. Some of the guys we named, like Jordy Ben, uh, Dahlstrom, Lilligren, Giordano, Mete. You know, these guys got to step up a little bit and, you know, fill these roles because I think one of the weakest spots in this Toronto Maple Leafs organization is their defense and goaltending. It's like they can't stop other teams from scoring on them. So now when you got three of your big guys out, it's time for the the underdogs to step up to the plate here and, you know, take a little bit of a more assertive role and try to get things going here because, you know, you don't want this team to fall off a cliff if you're a Maple Leafs fan. So we'll see what happens. Obviously, Riley going on the LTIR, that, that hurts. Uh, he's going to miss at least 10 games. But, you know, this team has also been really inconsistent. They've kind of been up and down 
like win loss, win loss, win loss. But we'll we'll see what happens on a shortened D. So yeah, like we talked about earlier, they uh they visit is it yeah they visit New Jersey tonight. I had to think for a sec if it was in Toronto, but no, it's in uh, the Prudential Center. So yeah, there you go. Yeah, and they played a good game against the Devils last week. When I watched them play, that's the last time I watched the Leafs play a full game. I watched their highlights of their most recent game. Who did they just recently lose to in overtime? It was on – oh, it was the Islanders. That's right. And, you know, that was a, a tight game there. I think it's going to be another tight one tonight. But the Leafs, their ceiling is so high and their floor is so low. They're one of those teams right now with the D the way that it is. I fully believe that entering the playoffs, they could absolutely go win the Cup. And – they would have been in that position. I think they had the worst draw last year. I stand by that. I will take that to my grave, that they lost game seven to the Lightning in by one goal. They would have killed the Bruins. They would have killed Carolina. They would have killed Pittsburgh, New York. I think they would have dummied any of those teams. And the one team that they had to face in the first round is the Tampa Bay Lightning, who went all the way with relative ease to the Stanley Cup final. And the only team that was able to take them down was the Colorado Avalanche. The only team that came close to taking them down before that was these Toronto Maple Leafs. When they're healthy, they are elite. But right now with that D, that D's not winning a Stanley Cup. You went to the playoffs with that, I'm picking them to lose in the first round. I'll be right there with you. But whoever they play in the playoffs, like, are you going to say the same thing? Like, if they play the Penguins, be like, well, they lost to Crosby no. and Malkin in a playoff series. No. Or- it would be typical Leafs to lose to the Penguins. It would be typical Leafs to lose to pretty much any team. Who would the Leafs lose to? Who would I pick against the Leafs in a playoff series right now? The Bruins? I would pick the Bruins. They'd kill the Devils. Would you pick Tampa Bay against them just because of no? You'd pick Absolutely. the Leafs. I would pick the Leafs. So just the Bruins then. I I think well it depends on the defense. This defense I'd pick Tampa. I might even pick New Jersey and Carolina. Let's just I'll say they got a full healthy team. Full healthy team only Bruins. And then the Lightning. <sighs> but it's like the Lightning, man. I know the the lightning. I'd I'd he and haw over. I would he and haw over the lightning. I would pick the Bruins. He-haw. Anyone else? I would pick the Leafs. Hee-haw! Frank, what's your favorite hockey story of the week? Well, my favorite hockey story of the week has to do with uh, NHL twenty three. So, as you may be familiar with, but maybe some of the guests aren't as familiar with, with the NHL. You know, they do the NHL World Championship every year. Um, well, this year they're kind of they're doing some extensive format changes to it and they actually rebranded it and they're now calling it EA sports NHL 23 world championship. Um, what's interesting is there's going to be many events that take place starting from December 8th until I don't know, through March, maybe it is. I don't know the exact date, maybe March or April, but there's going to be many events to where you could qualify for your spot in it. And all 32 teams will be participating in it. And all 32 teams will host their own mini tournament where if you win that, you get an automatic bid into the knockout stage of the the tournament, um, which events for this start, they begin on December 8th. You could register now at nhl.com slash nhl23 if you're interested in getting into that. 
Um, but I think it's really cool that they're going to have a lot more events surrounding this, be, trying to get like more people involved in the esports, you know, genre, get more people familiar with it, educate them a, a little bit more on it. So it, it should be interesting. And I'm excited because I used, I actually have participated in it the first year they did it. And then ever since they switched over to HUT, I really could care less about it. I kind of got a little buttered over the way they were doing it to where now you're going to have just people pay for packs and players just so you could have a good team. It was kind of like kind of silly to me. I thought there was more skill involved when you had to take a team, just any old team where you get like, you still have those 70 overalls on your team that you got to work with on the fourth line and those 80 overalls. But um, I'm not sure if that's how the way it's going to be. I'm assuming because of how much money it makes EA. So, but nonetheless, they are changing a little bit. I love the idea of having all 32 NHL teams involved on it. So like I said, if you're interested, events begin on December 8th, and you can register at NHL.com slash NHL23. Are you participating? Um, maybe. I haven't decided yet. I think it would be cool I to join, like, the Blackhawks little tournament that they do. I think you should. Maybe I will. I think that would be really cool because if you make it to a certain point, they actually fly you out to Vegas at no charge. Everything's paid for. All expense paid trip to vegas where you could compete the against some of the best of the best so maybe i will you should i was playing the other day and katie wanted me to call you and have you play against me i'm like i don't even think he has it yet i'm like and he would smoke me like i don't know i'm rusty frank frank i don't care i'm rusty like have you played the new cod yet no okay you would kill me in that too like you're just better at those two games than me I, I like it's just wild to me that you don't think you would just jump right in right now and dummy me. I don't know. It's a, it's complete. Like the mechanics are brand new. I, don't I mean, know. I'm not bad. I'm five and one online, not to brag, but online those kids suck. <laughs> I I'm I'm good enough. I well, believe I've played the game enough. I've been around the NHL streets. I mean, the only one I haven't bought since '09 was last year, '22, and I'm gonna buy it just so I can have it in the collection. I think it's like $15. You could buy it. I really want to get it. I I can add it to the collection. Um, And I love the cover. Um, They, they stink online. Like I'm, I'm so much better than most of the people online. And then you just kill me. So I don't even see how you would lose a single game online. You know, I forgot what NHL it was. It could have been NHL 21. I was like 20 something, you know, and then I swear to God, some dude hit me offline. That's so annoying. <laughs> and I don't think I played another on, an online game then after that. I was so pissed. Yeah, that would piss me off. Well, hopefully Frankie gets it. Skokes says he's going to try it this year, so I think that absolutely means Frankie should. Um, I will I will be your guinea pig to practice on anytime you'd like. I love playing. It's really fun. I like being the Devils now again because it reminds me of like back in the day when Parisi was 91 overall and Kovalchuk was 90 overall and yeah. you had – 92 overall Broder and net and you know that's what it's like playing with the devils again their offense is just loaded with high level players but my favorite hockey story of the week is something short um i wanted to touch on one of my all-time favorite players eric carlson eric carlson is one of the best defensemen of our era as children in the nhl and he currently is 32 years old he's still got a lot of hockey left to go in his career and he currently has 11 goals and 18 assists for 29 points in 19 games for the San Jose Sharks this year. He is on pace 
for over 100 points. Do I think he's going to reach 100 points? I don't know about that. But do I think he could get in the 80s or 90s the way that Kale McCarr and Roman Yossi did last year? Absolutely. Now, part of me thinks him getting traded would lower the point totals because he'd be going to a new team playing with people he's not familiar with and whatnot. But then again, the Sharks might trade guys like Timo Meyer and such, so they're going to become a worse team, which might make it harder for him to collect points. So he's definitely good enough that when healthy, he's going to get his points. I hope his $11 million contract doesn't hinder him from being able to get on a team that's able to win and whatnot because the San Jose Sharks stink, and they should be looking to move a guy like that. But Dard should be very much on their radar as well. So I just wanted to give a shout out to Eric Carlson as my favorite hockey story of the week. He is one of the best defensemen in the NHL again. He is on career pace for him. And honestly, you'd have to put you have to put him in talks for the Norris. He's the clear cut leader. Yeah. Well, a lot of people don't I I've seen some posts. A lot of people think, you know, he's gonna slow down, which he can. I'm not saying he's not gonna slow down. Of course he could slow down, but he's gotta be in the talks for the Norris for sure. Right now, my three finalists would be him, Rasmus Dahlin. Maybe Dougie Hamilton. I mean. Is Dougie having that good of a year? Yeah, oh yeah. I mean, not that good. He's got like 15 points. But that's a lot for a defense. McCar McCar's finally getting it going. He'll get nominated by the end of the year, but we're talking strictly right now. Like who from the D's ahead of him? Um, Eric Carlson. Carlson then... would have to be the winner if it ended today. Oh, 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 I'm forgetting a big one. Adam Fox has 23 points. That's a lot of points. And he's I still think Carlson would win it. Oh no, he would win it for sure. I was thinking like do- nominees though. Fox, it, would it would be, be Fox, Fox. Dal- it would be Fox, Darleen, and Carlson. Yeah, would be my three nominees. Dougie will be in the mix. He'll be top ten votes, but having like nine less points than Fox and Darleen right now. Yeah, that'll hurt. But yeah, he'll get, a vote. he'll get some votes. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, and if he goes on like a massive point tear, he'll be right in the mix for the lead. But you know, we'll see. Maybe I'm a little biased, but I do think Dougie Hamilton has just been absolutely fantastic for the. Um, New Jersey Devils this year. A little bit of housekeeping before we head into period number two. The show's a little bit different because we are going to dedicate our entire third period to one of our favorite holidays, Thanksgiving. So we're kind of rushing through things a little quickly. The entire first period is NHL. Then our typical third period of fun slash other sports is being moved to the second period. So a little bit of housekeeping to wrap up the NHL. Shane Wright scored his first career AHL goal yesterday. And before I move on and touch on the rest of the stuff, What's your takeaway from Shane Wright finally getting his first professional goal in the AHL? You know, did the Montreal Canadiens know something when they didn't take him first overall? Because that's just, it's kind of like funny to me. Because now he's back down in the AHL, which there's nothing wrong with that. You know, some guys like that just need time to develop. And maybe it's the right thing to do because Shane Wright didn't look like the number one overall pick that people thought he was. So... I mean, let him have success in the AHL for a year and then bring him back up and see what he could do for the Kraken because Kraken aren't going anywhere. So why waste his time up there now, right? I I think it's a good move sending him back down to the AHL. But uh, it's just it's almost like the Montreal Canadiens knew something by not taking him. 
I firmly blame the Seattle Kraken. I do. I think they're dumb. Dumb organization for doing this. They, first of all, Shane Wright isn't AHL eligible. You are allowed to go on a conditioning stint to the AHL if you are a healthy scratch for five consecutive games or more. So Shane Wright became AHL eligible for five days because of this conditioning stint that he was allowed to go on for being a straight scratch. I think it's 14 days. It's five games scratched in a row. You get 14 days in the AHL. He goes down. He dominates. I mean, the goal he scored was like, it was, it was his first AHL game. He scores right away. He dominated. <laughs> He's clearly better than every player in the AHL. The Seattle Kraken can only either have him in the NHL, and this is an agreement that the leagues have with drafted players and depending on their age. He either can only play for the Kraken or his OHL team. Is who's his OHL team? Is it the is it the it wasn't the Erie Otters? No, what I can picture it. Wait, I could picture it too. It's like it's not is it the Regina St. Pats? Or is that what team does Bedard play for? Bedard plays I'm drawing a complete blank on both of their junior teams right now. I'm pretty sure Bedard plays for the Regina Pats. Um was it uh Yes, Bedard plays for the Regina Pats. Um, Shane Wright played for... It wasn't the Knights, right? The what? The Knights? Oh, no, no, no. Um, hold on. I'm working on it. Oh. Why is this doing this to me? I'm completely just struggling to find the page I need to go to in order to find what team Shane Wright played for in the OHL. It was the – oh, yeah, duh. It was the – hold on. The Kingston uh, – yeah, it was Kingston. Skokes is right. And then Bedard plays for the Pats. Yeah, absolutely. Sorry, that was a complete mind fart there. But if they sent him to Kingston, he would dominate. He would absolutely dominate, and mm-hmm. I think that'd be good for him. Go down there, dominate. Don't be, you know, wasted playing in the AHL where you're seriously so much better than everybody else. Like, but it's a slower league. Like, at least in Kingston, he'd be around kids his age who are fast and whatnot. And or play him in the NHL and let him grow. Like, I just don't understand what Seattle's doing with him. You you bring up Montreal. Honestly, if the draft were redone based on what we know right now, Logan Cooley might go number one overall because he's been so good with Wisconsin this year. And the Devils have been using Nemich in the AHL, which is nice. Nemich comes from Europe, so he's allowed to play in the AHL. It's just all sorts of like weird, depending on where you come from, what leagues you're allowed to play in in your rookie season Mm -hmm. or your first year of NHL eligibility. But yeah, Shane Wright, first goal. He looked so much better than everybody else in that game that he played, and I'm I'm interested to see where it goes for Seattle because if they can figure it out, then having him and Ben Years will be so nice. I'm oh, not yeah. out on Shane Wright by any means. I'm not either. I mean, he's so young, too. You can't just go off not even a full season. So we'll see. Absolutely, absolutely. So And then right before we went on, uh, on air – to cap off the housekeeping, Ryan Reeves was traded to the Minnesota Wild for a fifth-round pick in oh, wow. 2025 um, by the New York Rangers. Kind of an interesting move. They acquired Ryan Reeves so that he could fight Tom Wilson. Well, Tom Wilson's out till December with an injury. 
and the Rangers don't seem as intimidated by the Washington Capitals as they were. Um, any takeaway from this, or is it just a wild adding a little bit of toughness in case anyone looks at Kirill Kaprizov funny? I, I think uh, I, it could benefit the Wild. I think they could use a little toughness, and I mean, why not? You, we know Reeves is a tough guy, so I don't think there's any anything big to say here. I, I don't think it's gonna you know ultimately help them all of a sudden win ten games in a row, but yeah. Good for Reeves, I guess, you know? Yeah. It's interesting. Like, the Wild, there are people saying, like, I read some of the comments, like, oh, now he has a better chance to make the playoffs. Are you high? <laughs> like, what? The Rangers have a better chance to make the playoffs than the Wild. The Rangers have been far below expectations so far this season. There's no mm-hmm. doubt. The Islanders and the Devils both look worlds better than them. But I just don't understand how you could say something so crazy. But people are weird. Frank, let's change up the conversation a little bit as we head into period number three. Period number two. Very clear. Period number two. Good thing thing what period pops up doesn't revolve around my voice and the smart person making the clicks actually has the – the power here. Okay. Frank, let's talk about some things that are fun that aren't related to hockey. Uh, let's start with the NFL. Chicago Bears stink, and they're having the exact same season I predicted they would have once we were in the offseason. Justin Fields has looked absolutely incredible, but the team's roster is absolutely putrid, and they will win no more than five or six games. What is your takeaway from this team? Um, yeah, they look bad, but they're scoring a lot of points, which is good. I think that depending on – how high their draft pick is, and I think you could rebuild around Justin Fields. First things first, you need to help the O-line a little bit. Uh, Fields is constantly scrambling. It always seems like he gets sacked. It reminds me of Joe Burrow out there always getting sacked. It's like, you got to, come on, you got to fill up the offensive line a little bit. Got to help the defense a ton because you're scoring a bunch of points, but you're still losing games. So, I mean, they kind of had a fire sale with their defense this year. Um but nonetheless, depending on how well this year's draft goes, I have a little bit of hope for the years to come. And maybe that within a handful of years, they could be contenders to win the Super Bowl. I agree. Skokes in the chat said prayers up for Justin Fields. Um, he is nursing a shoulder separation injury, and he is day-to-day, and we don't know if he will play on Sunday. But I have all the faith in the world that Justin Fields is – he, he could be just as good as Jalen Hurts and Lamar Jackson at being a dual threat type of quarterback. And it's honestly very fun to watch. The Bears never had anything like it. Um, if he could get some of his throws to be just a tad bit more accurate, I think that'll go a long way for this team. But, Frank, can I ask you a question? Go for it. Do you hear an annoying little dog in the background? I heard something, yeah. Yeah, that dog is so annoying. I hate that dog so much. These people, they leave out the freaking dog for 40-minute stretches at a time, and it pisses me off in ways you don't understand. Like, how can you be that rude to not only your neighbors but the actual dog itself? Like, I just don't get how you could be so freaking stupid. So if those of you hear a dog in the background, it's not my annoying-ass dog barking in the background, just so you guys know. Wow. Yeah, fuck that dog. And honestly, Does fuck the dog have a name? That pisses me off. I used to think the dog was cute. We named it Luigi too, but fuck Luigi. Is it Luigi too? It's Luigi too barking, but we hate Luigi too now. We used to like him, now we hate him. 
Oh, what do you got against the poor guy? What's his real name? I don't know. How would I know? I don't know. A hole neighbors that leave him. I like why get a dog? Why get a dog if you're just gonna leave it out there for 40 minute stretches at a time in the cold? So dumb. So dumb. I'm getting ready to call the freaking police. I'm gonna be a narc and call on them. Um, yeah, but the Bears stink. The roster stinks. This, the writing was always on the wall that they were going to be this bad. They're lucky that they won in the rain against the 49ers. I wish they didn't because it would mean they have an even better chance at a higher draft pick. Um, yeah, they suck. Um, they currently, if the season were to end today, it would be picking third overall. You all know by watching this show and following along with my tweets how high I am with defensive end from Alabama, Will Anderson. The Bears need to be in the top three in order to secure a chance at Will Anderson. Because I believe the two quarterbacks, C.J. Stroud of the Ohio State University and Bryce Young of the University of Alabama, will be off the board. I think the teams in the top two picking will draft quarterbacks. You saw the Houston Texans are benching Davis Mills for this upcoming game this weekend. And that tells me that they have no faith that he's their guy long term. If they're already benching him, they would draft the quarterback when they have the first overall pick next fall or next spring. I mean, excuse me. I think they probably will end with the worst record and they'll take a quarterback. Whoever comes in second, the Bears aren't drafting the quarterback. They like Justin Fields. Will Anderson is the play. He can be Khalil Mack level good in the NFL, in my opinion. I hope that ends up being the case. Wait, before you go on, go ahead. Do you think? Sports Illustrated Sports Illustrated prediction will be correct. How many wins? Three. No. You think they're going to scrape up one here in the upcoming weeks? Yeah, I kind of think they're going to beat the Jets. I mean, no Zach Wilson. They're yeah. kind of like giving him a restart, kind of fresh mind. We're going to sit you. Little shock. His only two losses were against the Patriots. And – I mean, the Patriots, to me, in my opinion, have the best defense in the league. Um, it's not a football reason that Wilson's saying, in my opinion. I think it's just to, you know, let him rest and relax and kind of get a fresh I start. I think it's his mouth. He got in a fight with someone. It's oh, off really? the field issues that got him benched, in my opinion. From what I've read, because like you just said, five and two, only two losses yeah. to New England who have an outstanding defense. The reason they're a last place team is because their offense is abysmal and they don't know who's playing quarterback. Like, they're still a Bill Belichick coach team. Like, Zach Wilson, he lost to them twice and has won every other game he's played this season. Yeah, no, I don't think it's anything football related. I don't. There's no way they think Mike White gives them a better chance to win than Zach Wilson. It's got to be off the field stuff. Here's the thing, though. I might rescind what I just said about the Bears playing the Jets because it just kind of hit me. Fields might not even play, and if he does, he's not healthy. So That's true. Like, it could go either way. If, if he's healthy against Green Bay the following week, Green Bay sucks. But then again, Aaron Rodgers should be able to feast on the weak, bad d- defense of the Chicago Bears. So, that fucking dog. I swear to God. <laughs> I, so don't I don't hear it. I don't hear it anymore. Good. Um... But yeah, I was going to ask you, at this point of the season, uh-huh. who do you think is the MVP of the National Football League? It's got to be Patrick Mahomes. It's got to be. I think you'll agree with me. Through 11 weeks, he has 28 touchdown passes. And what makes him so special is his game-winning drives. I mean, you saw what he did against the Chargers with 31 seconds left. They took the lead. Not a lot of teams could do that like Patrick Mahomes, and, you know, you're watching the game and you got, like, second and 20, third and 15, 
Well, for Patrick Mahomes, that's third and short. Third and 15 is third and short. He's always able to get Kelsey open or just uses his eyes to just see other players so clearly and just get the first down, whatever he does. He's having an incredible season. He's going to throw over 40 touchdowns, I would assume. He needs 12 more in six games. That's two a game. He's, he might have four some games, three another. I, he's going to break 40 touchdowns, I think. Um, it's just it's very hard to go against Patrick Mahomes right now. I don't disagree at all. Patrick Mahomes is my pick. I think the Chiefs are the best team in the NFL. They win every sort of type of game. They could blow you out. They could beat you by three. They can come back and beat you. Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback. Oh, he, he's not the best quarterback of all time. That's a guy I'm going to touch on in just a second here. But he's the greatest thrower of a football who ever lived, in my opinion. The most talented thrower of a football of all time. I've never seen anything like it. I was watching it a little bit against the Chargers. I'm like, I can't believe what this guy is able to do on a week-in, week-out basis. Travis Kelsey's the second best tight end I've ever seen. He has a chance to grow, my opinion, over Gronk. But right now, for me, it's still Gronk. I might be biased, whatever. When you start touching some of Gronk's records, then I'll start thinking about you, Travis Kelsey, in that vein. But the Chiefs are the best team in the NFL, in my opinion. They are my Super Bowl pick as of right now. They kind of have been for four or five weeks now. I think MVP would probably go to Patrick Mahomes if the season were to end today. But I have something special to say. Go ahead. Second in the NFL in passing yards is one Thomas Edward Patrick Brady. And if you asked most people, he they would claim he's having a bad season. Oh, on the contrary, he is actually, for his team, having a very smart season. 2-0 and since all the off-the-field stuff kind of got put under the table. We know him and Giselle are getting a divorce. He is a single man as of right now. His sole focus has been football. They've won two in a row. All of a sudden, they're 5-5, five and five, back in a playoff spot, back in first place in the division. They are a serious Super Bowl contender as of right now. And if Thomas Edward Patrick Brady does advance the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to a record such as 12-5, and 11-6, they make it to the playoffs with a good record, and they go on this great run in the postseason, I would be 0% surprised. I'm rooting for it. They are my favorite team in the NFL, not named the Bears because of Tom, and I believe he has a chance to get himself into that MVP conversation amongst the likes of Patrick Mahomes. And then I think as of right now at the season end today, Josh Allen will probably come in second, Jalen Hurts in third. Uh, Joe Burrow absolutely is in the mix lately. He's been absolutely sensational. I think the Bengals are a top-five team in the NFL. Even Tua Tungavailoa is probably in the top five at this point right now. The Dolphins have just been – I predicted them to make the playoffs as the seventh seed. I had them in the playoffs. I thought they'd be a seven seed. I, I know you remember me saying that. Yeah. They might be a freaking five seed or a four seed. Like, they are damn good. And two was right there in the mix, 11-1 and one in his last 12 starts. Just absolutely unbelievable. They are undefeated with him under center this season. Their only three losses have come since his injury. But I appreciate your answer of Patrick Holmes. I happen to agree. Glad we agree. Frank, all right, we're going to have a whole Thanksgiving period that that's mostly going to revolve around like the ambiance of Thanksgiving. Part of the ambiance of Thanksgiving that we're going to talk about in this period, though, is one of the best parts of Thanksgiving in general. And that is one of the three Thanksgiving Fs. You got family, you got food, and you got football. We kick off at 1130 when the Detroit Lions host their annual Thanksgiving game against the Buffalo Bills. We all know the Buffalo Bills travel to Detroit to play the Cleveland Browns last week so they can avoid the absolute snow massacre that went through Western New York last week. But 
Following that, we'll have the Dallas Cowboys hosting their annual Thanksgiving game against the New York football giants. All three of these games are five of the six teams playing on this day are elite. I don't remember anything like it. And then at night, it's always two random teams that they have Sunday night football level experience. The Minnesota Vikings will host the New England Patriots. We're going to go through each game and make our picks, our Thanksgiving picks, and we'll address them on next week's show. But, Frank, I ask you, what are you excited for the most when it comes to these this immaculate slate of Thanksgiving football games? Wait, say that again? What are you most excited for when it comes to this immaculate slate of Thanksgiving football games? You know, I just – I love that on Thanksgiving you could just put these games on and just let it go. Enjoy time with the family, have some great food, and and just seeing all these teams that are playing, Buffalo, Dallas, uh, Vikings, Patriots, Giants, even Detroit. I mean, it, it almost has a feel like none of these games, even though some of the lines say otherwise, are going to be a blowout. It's, it's different in prime time on a Thursday, Sunday night, Monday night. Even if you don't have those elite teams that you expect to be there or teams who aren't performing as well, it's not always a blowout as people would expect. Like when the Commanders played the Phillies, everybody thought the Phillies would just dominate them and the line was outrageous, but it's in a primetime position game, and it's it, usually games like that are a lot closer than people think. Uh, uh, that's what I'm looking forward to with these three games. I'm expecting close battles throughout the whole day, to be honest with you. Your mic's muted. Oh, I apologize about that. I, I muted it so those freaking dogs who finally might have been brought back in. But it's we reached the hour mark of them being out there just barking the entire time. And it finally stopped. I think that might be it, but we'll see. Hopefully. Fingers crossed. Uh, <laughs> my favorite part of Thanksgiving is the fact that I mentioned it. Speaking of dogs... Every team playing except one is loaded with dogs. The Buffalo Bills are sensational. I know they're in a little bit of a rough patch. I don't think – oh, nope, here come the dogs. Um, I, heard I don't think that um, – they are a Super Bowl contender in my opinion. If there was a team that could beat the Chiefs, they're one of like the three or four. But I do think there's a chance that – they absolutely just blow out the Detroit Lions, like absolutely destroy them. And it's indoors. It's a controlled climate. It's everything you like want if you're the Buffalo Bills playing against a team as bad as the Lions. Um, I still think they need a running game. It's been a little bit better the last couple weeks. But they are simply amazing. And now they're playing against the Lions who – you know, just suck. And then the New York Giants and the Dallas Cowboys, in my opinion, is the best game because I agree. I think it's going to be a lot closer than people think. I think it's going to be a lot closer than people think too. And the Vikings versus Patriots might be more exciting because you have New England and you know who's a marquee franchise in the NFL against an eight and two Vikings team who's a legit threat in the NFC to at least make some noise and eliminate some teams. You know, that's a more exciting matchup, I would say. But the Cowboys versus the Giants, that's a division rival game that could decide a division. I mean, now that the Eagles finally lost, like, the Giants and the Cowboys are looking at that going, okay, now, and we're the Cowboys. We just killed the Vikings, who are really good. We know we can beat some of the elite teams in the league. This 
the intrigue behind this game is just so awesome, and I'm so excited for it. That's got to be my favorite game of the weekend so far. Uh, yeah, I got to agree with you. Um, I think – do you want me to th- tell you who I think is going to win each game? Yeah, let's go through each game, starting with 1130 at Ford Field in Detroit, Michigan. The Detroit Lions are hosting the Buffalo Bills. I think I know who you're going to pick, but let's hear it anyway. I'm going to go with the Buffalo Bills on this one. You know, they didn't have to do any traveling to Detroit since they were already there against the Browns. So take travel conditions out of the way. They got an additional game under their belt at Ford Field this year. Buffalo is clearly better than Detroit. Um, I'm going to take the Buffalo Bills to win this game. I agree. I'm writing all these down so I can hold you and myself accountable next week. Game number two, the Dallas Cowboys and the New York football giants at Jerry world in Arlington, Texas. Yep. I think this game's going to be a lot closer than people think. Um, However, I do think Dallas is going to pull out the victory, but I don't think they are going to cover the spread. They're nine and a half. I think it's going to be a one score game, maybe even a field type field goal type game. I think Dallas is going to squeak out a victory and uh, it's going to be a very, very tight game, but Dallas gets it done in the end. I agree. It wouldn't surprise me. Covering the spread might be tough. I think they're a way better team than the Giants. I really, really do. Um, I think in the playoffs, Dallas would win. Like they would go farther and I'm not, I'm really not high on Dallas at all as a team in general. I think the spread is probably largely influenced by the fact that they, they absolutely murdered the Minnesota Vikings. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I know I've been high on the Vikings this season. I know I have. I didn't expect Minnesota to be quite this good. I just predicted them to win the division. I'm not giving myself much more credit than I deserve. I thought I wasn't even sure they'd win a playoff game. They've been better than I thought, Minnesota. And Green Bay's been worse than I thought. I thought Minnesota would squeak out a division win by a game or two. It's not looking like the way it looks like they're running away with it. But that loss to Dallas was just putrid. Not good. Not good at all. So that's why I think the spread is what it is. I'm also picking the Cowboys in a slim margin. In Minneapolis, Minnesota, the Minnesota Vikings will host the New England Patriots. It's a first-place team playing against the last-place team. I ask you, Frank, who do you think is going to win? You know, we got a, a late Thursday night game. You know, it's your, it's just another – imagine that it wasn't Thanksgiving. It's just your Thursday night football game. However, it's Thanksgiving, Bill Belichick in prime time. I do think the Patriots are going to squeak this one out against the Vikings. Patriots are dogs here. Um, I just – I can't trust Kirk Cousins in prime time. To be honest with you, I think Bill Belichick knows how to coach a game more suitable like this on Thanksgiving. I think he'll be able to calm his team down a little bit if they're a little hyped to to play in this type of environment on such a special day. I think the Patriots are going to pull out the victory here against the Vikings. Then we have our first disagreement. I kind of had a feeling that was going to be the case, which I don't think you're dumb. This isn't one of those you're on glue kind of picks by any means. This is a simple like slight disagreement. I think everything you said could absolutely come true. I'm just picking the Minnesota Vikings because I think at home, what Minnesota is good at can counter what New England is good at. If that makes sense to you, like 
the Bears beat New England because they were pretty good on offense, not because they were at all good on defense. I don't think it takes much to stop a Mac Jones or Bailey Zappi New England offense. I don't think it takes much. Minnesota's defense actually really isn't even that good, if anything. They're, like, they're closer to the bottom five than the top five. But their offense is just so spectacular, and I think Dalvin Cook and um, Justin Jefferson and Kirk Cousins – Thielen after a bad week, Hawkinson after a bad week like they just had against Dallas, they're going to be nice and pissed off. They get to get right back out there four or five days later, and I, I think they win by like a couple points. Like it, it's going to be a close game, but I think Minnesota squeaks out the win. So that is our one disagreement that one of us will be holding the other accountable for on next week's show because if there was a game that one of us was wrong on that we agree on, I would say it's Giants-Cowboys, right? Yeah. The I Bills are going to so. shellac the Lions, I think. Like, absolutely dummy them. You would think. Well, what are you thinking? What are you thinking? Later, the therapy session. I know the Bills are your guys. I know the Bills are my guys. I think they're going to win, but it's just something about Thursday games, Sunday night games, and Monday games, where it seems like the big favorite never seems to cover – the big spread, which means that it's usually a very close game. And what I've seen to realize over the years is when you have a home team who is a big dog, they usually tend to play well against the big favorites. It is a Thanksgiving game. You just never know. You just never know. I mean, all three of these games could be one-score games at the end of the day. Yeah, and That's kind of what yeah. I'm leaning towards, to be honest with you. Honestly, I agree with you. It's crazy. It happens in every sport, like these crazy games that are on TV, like nationally and stuff. Players are humans too, and they know this stuff. So it's going to be interesting. Very excited for the NFL slate that is upon us. No team is on a bye for Thanksgiving weekend, which is nice. The byes aren't over. There's still buys in the following weeks. There's not a single buy this week. All 32 teams are playing on one way or another, so I'm excited to have it like it is in the early going when every single team is playing. Your fantasy lineup can be at your disposal. There's nobody on buys. It's that we kind of We play each other, too. Yep, we play each other. Um, I'm somehow still alive in the guillotine league, and I'm cooking now. They let me in. Stay, they let me stay in. Okay. You know, four near-death experiences. They let me stay in. I'm getting through the buys. We'll, we'll yeah. see. We'll see. So. The college football playoff came out yesterday, and it reads as follows. Number seven, Alabama. Number six, USC. Number five, LSU. Number four, TCU. Number three, Michigan. Number two, Ohio State. And number one is Georgia. Frank, the top four remains the same for the third straight week, so I ask you, what about the college football playoff ranking that came out yesterday intrigues you? Well, here you go, right? You got Georgia at number one. They're going to stay number one. Ohio State and Michigan's all going to depend on this rivalry week upcoming when they play each other. Um, what intrigues me is TCU's at four, right? They were pushed to the brink by Baylor. They kicked a game-winning field goal with no time remaining on the clock to win that game, which I don't know against an unranked Baylor team who is a very good unranked team. I don't know how the committee is going to view that. However, the problem here is you got with LSU five, as a two-loss team, they're going to go to the. They're playing in the SEC championship. They're going to the SEC championship. I don't believe they're going to win the SEC championship, which makes them a three-loss team. So they would be out. They're gone. Um, so now you got to start thinking about USC and Alabama. 
Well, I think right now USC has the bid over Alabama, and with Alabama not in a championship game, um, it's going to be hard for them to get in here unless, you know, something crazy happens. But you figure Ohio State and Michigan, one of them are out. So let's just say Michigan's out, right? So you got to fill that spot. Let's We'll fill them with TCU. So somebody else is going to come in to the top uh, four as well, which would probably be USC at the end of the day because I think LSC – LSU loses. So the way I have it and what's intriguing to me is I think at the end of the day, you're going to have Georgia, Ohio State, uh, TCU, and USC? Maybe? And then maybe Alabama at five? Yes, that's the most predictable one. That's the least. That's that's where I'm shaping up right now. That's the no chaos plays out as it should final ranking in my opinion however i've seen this movie before (laughs) i have seen this movie before i've watched it a thousand times i've even rewound and watched it again in the same day lsu is ranked ahead of usc that is garbage that is complete and utter bullshit I don't hate it. You don't hate it because you think LSU is better. LSU also had a big win against Alabama, though. I also think why I don't hate it. I also think LSU is better. There's no denying that. But then why include the Pac? Or yeah, why include the Pac-12 if you're just assuming teams are better, even though they have less losses? What are we playing the games for? That's where I get furious because I love the SEC. Okay, LSU's my favorite team on this list. Go Tigers. You know me. I went to the game to see LSU. Like, I traveled all the way to Georgia to see LSU. I love LSU. Go Tigers. But them being ahead of USC from a non-biased point of view is bullshit because they have one more loss. That's just my opinion. I'll never back down from that. Even if I think they're – I think LSU would kill USC. They probably would cover the spread. I legitimately think that. But like that, like why include the Pac-12 then? Why let the, why not just make it the college football playoff? Only include Big Ten, ACC, and SEC. It just makes maybe no sense to me. Maybe they're just doing it because you know, kind of like let them get their glory right now. Because it's not. Do you think LSU LSU is going to beat Georgia? Yes. You think LSU is going to beat part Georgia? That that's what I meant by I've seen this movie before. See, I don't. And then I, because of that, I just think this is all pointless. Two seasons ago, Georgia was five and Bama was one. They played each other in the SEC championship game. And Georgia won. Georgia moved up to one. Bama, people didn't know what to do with. Are we going to have two SEC teams in the college football playoff? Yes. College football wants LSU to win so bad so they can put two SEC teams in the playoff, which will happen if LSU beats Georgia in the SEC title game. I think they will. I, I, I just think they will. They've been on a heater, and I think right now, I'm leaning Ohio State against Michigan. I'll make my final prediction before the game on Saturday at 11. But I'm leaning Ohio State over Michigan. Part of me thinks the final is going to be Ohio State, 
LSU, TCU, Georgia. Wow. But and then your argument with USC doesn't make sense. It does make sense because it proved to me that the committee wants two SEC teams in the playoff. If USC right now was ranked five and LSU was six, it wouldn't matter if LSU beats Georgia. Yeah, but you said that you think it's kind of shocking because you LSU has two losses. Yeah. But you still think they're a better team, so why wouldn't they be ahead of USC? Then it doesn't really matter. There are teams that are out there. Like if Georgia was a two-loss team and USC only had one loss, I would still think Georgia's the better team even though they have two losses and should be ranked ahead of them. Okay, but there are probably three loss teams than <laughs> there are three loss teams that are probably better than USC. So where do you cut it off is my point. Ole Which Miss team would you think is better than USC? Um, I would have to look at the Notre Dame. They play them Saturday. No, I know. What, but... if, what if Notre Dame wins? Then, then you'll understand what I mean. So if Notre then Dame you'll... wins, then it makes sense of why USC was below LSU. Okay, but until that's proven, like, I just uh, if they're a better I'm team gonna, in your eyes, then they should be ranked higher. If they're a better team team. in your eyes, then they should be ranked higher. That's what just doesn't make sense to me. It would be different if you're like, I think USC is the better team here, so that's why it doesn't make sense against a one-loss team or a two-loss team. If you think LSU would kill USC. If Ole Miss played USC, who would you pick? Neutral site. I would pick Ole Miss. And have three I, don't know. I don't know. I just it's tough. I, it's tough. And and okay. Why is Bama but, not ahead of US? That, this is that, another big point. Why is Bama not ahead of USC then? But if you think some three lost teams are better, why would you even think about having them in fifth? Well, no three lost team is higher than twelve. Why would you have them? Why if you think that about USC? Why would you even think about rating them fifth? Because until you lose, like, where do you draw the line? Is my point. What? Like, it goes by what key two wins. Teams, in my what oh, key wins? Yeah, that's a fair argument. But why is Alabama ahead of or below USC? Because of their roster. Oh wait, what? Why, why is Alabama is- below USC? Yeah. What this argument, the argument have? about the argument about LSU being ahead of them also supports Bama being ahead of them, but they're not. They're well, inconsistent well, with what they do. What what key losses did Alabama have or wins this year? Um, they beat twenty Arkansas, twenty four Mississippi State, and eleven Ole Miss. Okay, but when it came to like the better and teams, they, they LSU, lost to LSU by one in overtime. And didn't they lose to Tennessee? Yes, by. Four by three. Right. They couldn't get it done in those key wins. And now when you look at it, where's Tennessee? They're not even ranked inside the top what? Okay. But what is USC's key win? I don't know. I'd have to look at their schedule. They have one, two ranked wins. And well, who are they against? Or no, they have one ranked win, UCLA. And it was by three. And they, their other ranked opponent, they lost to by one. 
So what I'm saying is the the committee is so inconsistent with what they do. Yeah. There's no per, there's no perfect science. I'm kind of playing devil's advocate in a lot of ways because if you put LSU ahead of USC, you have to put Alabama ahead of them for the same reasons, in my opinion. Because I think Alabama would dummy USC. Absolutely destroy them. But if you're putting LSU ahead of them, you have to put Alabama. But if you're putting Alabama behind USC, you have to put LSU behind USC. That's the point I'm trying to make. I get what you're saying. But then the point I just I get I get what you're saying with the Alabama USC, but it still doesn't make sense with the LSU USC. But I get it. You want it more to keep it consistent. Yeah, and I like, think that's what you're trying to get here. You yeah, USC's ten and one. So is Clemson. What what makes USC better than Clemson? Because Clemson, and listen, I hate Clemson. I hope they lose every game. But their only loss is to Notre Dame. They've beaten everybody else. And their schedule is a lot more formidable, in my opinion, than USC's. Now, the committee was very high on Notre Dame early on. Well, Notre Dame's at 15. And they were ranked, and then they were unranked, and now they're ranked again. Yeah, they've won five straight after uh, starting three and three. Three and three start. But let's look at their losses. They have some pretty heartbreaking losses, though. Their first loss of the season was to Ohio State. Okay. That didn't kill them. No, right. But then they lost to Marshall the following week, 0-2. That's that's a killer right there. And then they lost to Stanford three weeks later, 14-16. And then they've won five straight since. Now they have USC in that's probably like a top five college rivalry, Notre Dame versus USC. Um yeah, I don't know. I I the committee's just so inconsistent in my opinion. It just annoys me to no end. I do think it'll be a moot point though after this weekend because well no, maybe not after this weekend, but by the final ranking. That's when they do it on the Sunday. Uh-huh. Um I would pick LSU against Georgia. I'm going to when that happens, I think. Well, I guess it kind of depends on how rivalry week goes because they – who does Georgia play? Georgia probably plays Georgia Tech. That's probably their biggest rival, right? Georgia plays Georgia Tech. Yeah, I that's their – some of the biggest uh, rivals. Yeah, Georgia and then... Tech, Georgia, Oregon, Oregon State, Florida, Florida State, Ohio State, Michigan, and uh, Auburn, Alabama. Those are all big ones. That's yeah. a big uh, rivalry game for Alabama too. Yeah, it sucks when your rival's so good. Like Alabama, easy rivalry game. They're going to kill Auburn. Clemson mm. going to destroy South Carolina. Michigan, Ohio State, not so lucky. They're both 11-0. This, I believe this is the first time they're both 11-0 playing against each other in the Jim Harbaugh Michigan era, which is awesome. Can't wait for that. It's going to be so much fun. But LSU, they get Texas A&M, who's 4-7. and So if they smoke them, maybe they jump. TCU, right? Like, I I, I don't think the oh, two-loss team will jump a no-loss team. Who does TCU? No, I don't either. TCU's got a cupcake, I think, this week. Iowa State, yeah. If TCU loses to Iowa State, that would cause chaos. If TCU chaos. loses to Iowa State, then it would cause chaos. Then I think there's actually a chance for Alabama. Or both Michigan and Ohio State. Maybe. That's something that's something people aren't talking about. If Ohio State beats Michigan by a field goal, 
or by like one point, and yeah, LSU loses to Georgia in the championship game. Um, there was another one. Oh, TCU loses. Or no, yeah, TCU loses to Iowa State, and um, Notre Dame beats USC. Then we could legitimately have two Big Ten teams in the champion in the college. The committee is so high up on Alabama, though. Of course they are, but like, like should they be seven in your opinion over Clemson? I think you Alabama should be higher than Clemson. Okay. I think their losses were too hard, huh? Yeah, their two losses were like the they great. were heartbreakers. Like, and I, is it a I combined? Is it a combined? I think they're better than Clemson by far. So do I. I well, I I called Clemson frauds all season long. But your resumes, your res, and so that's where like, what's more important, your resume or your like overall? I get what you're saying. Roster, like it's just so inconsistent. It's like this team, they look at their roster. This team, they look at their resume. This team, they look at who they think would win. It they need like a criteria for everyone, and that's it's just it just doesn't all make sense in my brain, but. I'm rooting for chaos is what I'm rooting for. And to me, the most chaos would be Michigan barely beating Ohio State, like barely, three points or less. TCU losing, Notre Dame beating USC, and and Georgia killing LSU. That would cause a lot of chaos. That's a lot of chaos. I know. That's what I root for. I would love to see the college football playoff. B. Um, hold on, I'll pull up the rankings again. I would love to see the college football playoff be USC, um, Ohio State, Michigan, and Georgia, or something like like in that kind of crazy order. Like that would be so fun. But we'll see what happens. Go Tigers. Um, Frank. I've really, really enjoyed talking football with you. So have I. You know what I would enjoy even more, though? Mashed potatoes. A conversation about mashed potatoes and other variety of Thanksgiving treats, which we will get to here in period number three. Welcome to period three, where we will talk Thanksgiving and all things related to Thanksgiving as Frankie smacks himself in the face with his hat. Frank, first of all, great Thanksgiving. Where where does Thanksgiving stand on your Mount Rushmore of holidays? Um, uh, probably got it second. Okay. Probably got it second. Um, well, are you going to say the other holidays or what? Well, first is Christmas. Second is Thanksgiving. Third is the 4th of July. And fourth... is Easter. Ew. <laughs> Easter sucks. That's my ranking for you. Bad food, diet, Christmas... Easter sucks. I like Easter. That's fine. I like it. Like, it's not a bad day, but I'm talking, like, compared to other holidays. Like, obviously, I enjoy Easter. On Easter, I have fun. Except last year. Why do you hate Easter? 
Well, last year was my tooth on Easter. Like that was the worst day. So don't blame Easter for your tooth. No, I'm blaming maybe if it wasn't Easter, it wouldn't have hurt that bad. I don't know, but if Easter sucked. Um, that's that. My Mount Rushmore of holidays is probably Christmas, Thanksgiving, Fourth of July. Bags turn. No, I'm kidding. Damn well, better be a holiday one day. It, if it was a holiday, it would be on there. <laughs> Same thing with the Super Bowl. Um, I'll go. I'll go St. Patrick's Day. I really that was that. up there for me. It was so close at being four. Yeah, because I, I like to get my Shamrock Shake. Yeah, Shamrock but. Shake. Just all the festivities, bar crawls, all that. It's definitely fun. Um, G says I need to eat better food on Easter. Come over anytime. Well. I would actually love to do that because Easter food is just – this is, again, this is compared to other holidays. It's not like I like Easter less than a random Tuesday. Like, no. But relative to the other holidays, um, I would put it up there. I like Valentine's Day, of course. I like Halloween, Groundhog Day. <laughs> New, New Year's Eve is better than yeah. New Year's Day. Um, what? You like Groundhog's Day better than Easter? No. Oh, I thought that's what you were saying. I'm just naming I you were all the holidays it. I like. Oh. I like Halloween better than Easter. I forgot about Halloween. Yeah, I like Halloween better than Easter for sure. Actually, um, Halloween yeah. would probably be third. Are you going to dump Easter? In Easter 4. Oh. Wait, <laughs> what are you booting? The 4th will be 5th. You do not like 4th of July less than Easter. Easter. You can't Easter. bump it from 3rd to 5th because you remembered. It got booted. The one like that gets bumped was get the booted. one that was in 4th. You got won on the college football playoff committee ranking with the way you ranked it. You don't get to bump them from 3rd to 5th. You, is booted like you do not like 4th of July or more than Easter. Day. I refuse to believe that. You, you just had... You Do had a bad experience with Easter then. Easter is fine, but you don't like it and, more than 4th of July. And you didn't you have, have a good Easter experience growing up then. This is Frankie on Easter. This is Frankie on Easter. Sits at the table. He's got some calzone in front of him, maybe a little ham. And he just plays on his phone a little bit. Just, you know, reads the stuff. Yeah, there's probably some NHL Especially playoffs going Especially with the on kids nowadays. We got the kids go on a little hunt, right? Yeah, maybe Half a little Easter egg. egg but while you're watching the kids do the Easter egg hunt, you can't wait to go back inside and sit down and make a plate of dessert. Listen, I was On 4th of July, you you're swimming, you're playing bags, you're eating delicious barbecue, you're outside, you're with hella more people. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I sleep. It's okay. Huh? Like I sleep on it. Like I, you never heard that saying. Like I sleep. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, I, it it got booted like TCU. <laughs> yeah, you belong on the college football playoff committee. I just, it's just, I don't know. I don't know. Halloween would be fifth. I would Listen, rank it. Miners got a high. great glue sale for Black Friday. I was gonna send you the picture in the ad. So. Yeah, to buy it for you for Christmas because you're saying you like Easter more than Fourth of July, which I just know is not, like Fourth of Ju like you were born in July. The bags tournaments in July. Frankie's favorite month is July, and you will not convince me that Diet Christmas is better than fucking Fourth of July. 
And I Listen. know you don't actually think that. You just, for the sake of argument, you, for, you, for the sake of argument, wanted to bump 4th of July from 3rd to 5th because you remembered Halloween. No, you would remember Halloween, insert it somewhere, and boot out the team that was in last before it. If anything, I could make an argument to have Halloween 3rd and Easter and 4th of July 4th and Easter 5th. But yeah, I, I still think that's it, how it would go if you remembered. I, I don't know. I don't know you because push out the one in last. If, if this was like 10 years ago or six, six, seven, eight years ago, 4th of July would be third, no doubt. But I feel like as I gotten older, I used to take trips to like the fireworks stores in Wisconsin and get fireworks. And that's what I would look forward to most. And like I would be the one blowing them off in a field. You know what I mean? But I don't do that anymore. So like when you're sitting around, everybody's got their sparklers in their hand. It's like, it's okay. It's not what it used to be for me. And that's why it gets bumped out. Yeah. I'm, I'm retired from fireworks. I retired from fireworks in 2019. See, and then if you got no fireworks, it's just not as, as enjoyable to me. Oh, well, I'll watch the other idiots do it. I like fireworks. I'm just not ruining my hands over it. That's why you got two. Yeah. Well, your career is to type you need both <laughs> well, let's get to it frank thanksgiving what are your favorite thanksgiving foods give me the frankie mueller perfect plate frankie mueller perfect plate. all right we got a uh, definitely mashed potatoes we said this a year ago on the podcast when we we're talking about thanksgiving i want a mound of mashed potatoes extra gravy little turkey Little turkey. I think turkey's a little overrated. I'm I rather some ham. Sarah Lee honey baked ham. Thank you very much. Shout out to Sarah Lee. I would prefer that over the turkey, but I have to get my tryptophan in. So a little bit of turkey is always good on my plate. Also, big stuffing guy. It's got to be a good stuffing, though. Late, I've had some bad stuffing in the past. I don't want extra mushy. I want good flavor, but stuffing is a must. And that has been a must for like the past five years. Back in the day, I could care less. I could sleep on stuffing. But nowadays, it's a must to have on my plate. And something else that I absolutely love, and I don't know if you've ever had before, is potato casserole. I get my healthy serving of mashed potatoes. I want my healthy serving of potato casserole. It's got your cheesy, crispy oven goodness in it, and it's fantastic. That is my ideal plate. Wow. I can't say I've ever eaten potato casserole. Describe this to me. Well, it's exactly what it, you would expect it to be. You bake it in the oven in like one of those like square rectangular dishes. It's got your potatoes in it. It's got your cheeses in it. And there's something else. Um, what else is in it? That's what makes it the best. Yeah. I knew there was something in it that makes it crunchy. The top of your corn uh not corn casserole. There is a corn casserole, though, that is also served. But the potato casserole is just my number one. There is cornflakes and butter on top of this casserole, which give it the crunch. It is, it's outstanding. It is, like, probably one of my favorite holiday dishes of all time. It's up there with it. So oh if God. I get everything I mentioned on my plate, it's just, yeah, I think turkey's a little overrated. I love turkey, but I'd rather the ham. I get that. I'm putting both on my plate, and I, I'm I putting put both on my plate too. Yeah, I'm putting extra mashed potatoes, and I come from a family where your mom said party potatoes. <laughs> party potatoes are dank. Um, 
normal potatoes, my family decided one day, how can we be the most fat? Oh, we'll put cream cheese and sour cream and 10,000 pounds of butter in the mashed potatoes. And that's how we will make our mashed potatoes. If you were to like turn our bowl of mashed potatoes into like the Grand Canyon where there's like a divot, there will be a layer of just a butter ocean inside of that little divot. And it is just the most wonderful thing. If you ate something like that every day, you'd be dead by 30. Like (laughs) it is just the most wonderful thing. I love mashed potatoes with every bite. And you could the cream cheese and the sour cream give it like an extra fluffiness that you don't get from just your typical mashed potatoes. And then, I, you know, with turkey is so great. And you know what I love to do? Maybe like an hour after the Thanksgiving meal is over, grandma moved over to the couch. The Dallas game is headed into the third quarter, getting ready to watch the stretch run of that game by the time this part of the meal is going on. You take a bun. And I'm not a big cranberry guy. I like being able to look at cranberries while I'm at my Thanksgiving table. It makes me comfortable. It makes my Thanksgiving atmosphere just a little bit better if I can look up and lock eyes with the cranberry sauce. I don't need it. I just need to look at it. And it's got, like, the divots from the can. You know what I'm talking about? Like, it takes the shape of the can, and then you just put it on a plate. Nobody ever eats it. I got to be able to look at it. I agree. Cranberries are a vision. Even if you don't eat them, you got to be able to look at them. Right. But when meal's over and you're done looking, you take just a little bit of cranberry, like I'm talking like a teaspoon, a half a teaspoon worth, and you mm-hmm. lather it on some bread. Okay? Just mm-hmm. ever so lightly, almost like jelly on a bagel. And then you put stuffing, mashed potatoes, and turkey in between, and then you make a sandwich. And that is how you cap off your Thanksgiving meal. It is one of the most delightful ways to cap off your Thanksgiving meal. Now I want to embrace debate with you a little bit here. Go ahead. Is gravy a Thanksgiving side or a Thanksgiving condiment? It's a condiment. I don't drink gravy. You are out of your mind. You don't have gravy by itself. A side oh, I is absolutely something. would have gravy by, my, by itself. You could. I could have anything by myself. I could have ketchup by myself, but it's not a side. Gravy is a side. It is How? a Thanksgiving side. It's a condiment every other place except Thanksgiving tables. It is part of the side menu. I I can't believe you're even arguing this. I can't believe you think it's a side or it's a condiment. A side is something you eat by itself. You, you I put eat gravy on my turkey. On Thanksgiving. I put gravy on my turkey. Because I it's put an gravy on it all. I make right. my plate and then I drizzle gravy on top. That's part of the side. I'm not going to put, I have a side of mashed potatoes. I'm not going to put that on everything on my plate. You mix it's it together. As delicious as it might be. Right, I mix it together. So how could it be a side? So you think gravy like, is just in the condiment portion of Thanksgiving? Absolutely. I, that's crazy to me. Like, I, I can't fathom gravy not being a side. It like is in the same category as stuffing, um, mashed potatoes, no. corn. You eat those things by yourself. You guys are crazy. You're not going to sit there and fill a solo cup up and just start eating the gravy. It's cranberry side or condiment. It's a side because you eat that by itself. I will scoop it on my plate and eat it on the side. 
don't eat the cranberry plain. Huh? You just don't. It's the same. Yes, Nobody you do. eats cranberries just plain. They mix it with the Thanksgiving stuff. No, you don't. I don't. All I'm saying is baseball teams, when they're making their starting lineup of Thanksgiving things, they wouldn't put a condiment in their starting lineup. They just wouldn't. They just wouldn't. It would be part of the main lineup as a side. It's a depth player. It, it, adds, depth, it adds depth to the lineup. It doesn't fit the definition of a side. It doesn't, but on Thanksgiving it is. It's a side. It's on. It's a Thanksgiving side. That's wild. <laughs> I'm dumbfounded. <laughs> I will send you the ad when I go up. I go up and get the ad from my favorite desserts on Thanksgiving. Um, there's really only a couple to be honest with you, and that's pumpkin pie and pecan pie. Okay. Other so than that, a, I really you're a pecan guy, not a pecan guy. Yeah, pecan. Okay. Um, I don't see. I think this is more. I think fruit cake's overrated. I think that's more of a Christmas uh, dessert. But I guess you could have it around Thanksgiving too. So I just wanted to bring that up. I think that's so overrated. It's so disgusting. Um, pumpkin pie's elite. I think it's fitting for Thanksgiving. Get a little whipped cream. Load that up on the top of a slice of pumpkin pie. Not a big pie guy. Um, just really pecan pie, pumpkin pie. Not a big fruit pie guy. But why are you laughing? Pecan. Um, where do you stand on apple pie? No, I hate it. Overrated. Oh, come on. Overrated. Should be banned. Warm apple pie. I don't like warm apples. I want to eat it cold. Except in pie. No. I agree with like cake and cupcakes and. But apple pie is just so warm and delicious, and it, it almost, like, absorbs all the gravy that I used at my side with my meal. Like, it is just, oh, apple pie. So my number one pie is pecan pie. My, my number one Thanksgiving pie is pecan pie. I would rank that one. I would rank pumpkin pie second, and I would rank apple pie third. All three of them need to go in my belly on Thanksgiving. Is there anything that you have on Thanksgiving that's, like, out of the norm? Like, for me, I have, like, potato casserole. Like, that's not at everybody's house. Uh, probably the party potatoes. Okay. Um, you like party potatoes, right? You've had mm -hmm. Where do you stand on mac and cheese on the Thanksgiving table? Um, no. I don't. Okay. I don't. Huh? We normally don't either, but it's a thing in, like, America. Katie's family does it. I'm going to see if I can get some mac and cheese in time for Thursday, but. I wouldn't if I was, like, hosting. I wouldn't say, oh, we need to get some mac and cheese for the Thanksgiving table. But I'd, I'm not against it. Like, if I go somewhere, I'm going to eat it. It will be part of my plate. Yeah, you can understand it being part of your Thanksgiving table. It's not like yeah. slapping some pizza on a Thanksgiving table. No, yeah, that would be weird. But yeah, no, I understand. It's not like having steak on your Thanksgiving table. Like, it fits the profile of Thanksgiving foods for sure. I understand why it's in the conversation. But if I'm hosting, I wouldn't have it part of my lineup. Absolutely. Now, where do you stand on sweet potatoes? Whether it be sweet potato I casserole, sweet, potatoes. sweet potato pie, really sweet potato. But I pie. guess, but it, it's it belongs in Thanksgiving, but I hate it. Absolutely. Um, does not belong. Giovanna just apparently hates mac and cheese. But 
it's kind of a contradicting statement. She wouldn't serve a damn right I need it at someone else's house. But you said it doesn't belong on any holiday table. But if it's there, I'll eat it anyway because it's mac and cheese, right? Like, it's still for I mean, that's true. If you think about it, though, like, pizza doesn't belong. But if there's pizza, I'm going to have a slice, right? Yeah, I would say no to pizza. No, I didn't. On Thanksgiving, I would, I would not have I would pass by and say, all right, I'll take a slice. Maybe after, after dessert, like when I'm getting a little hungry. I I believe McDonald's french fries are part of the Black Friday experience. And if you go on Thanksgiving night, which I don't think any place is open on Thanksgiving night this year. But, you know, if places are opening at midnight and stuff. Like, huh, McDonald's french fries are part of Thanksgiving as like an after snack. Like, there's some, but like. All right, yeah, least, well, let's see what you got. Now. Yeah, so we'll see about the pecan pie. I want, I want a slice of that killer pecan pie. Pecan. I can't wait for Katie to try the mashed potatoes. That's the thing I'm I'm going to be locked in on her face when she takes her first bite of Lisa's mashed potatoes because that is by far – they're like dreamy clouds. They're like those clouds you see on like a nice summer day, like during the bags tournament when it's like some nice cumulus clouds. That's what the mashed potatoes look like except instead of like – you know, the sky surrounding it, it's like just a butter pond, just drenched. And she made popcorn the other day and it was more butter than popcorn. And it like was the most delicious thing ever. But I know if I'm going to eat this a lot, I'm going to die. So that's why I'm happy Thanksgiving's one day of the year because, man, this is going to be outstanding. Now, I also think every Thanksgiving needs a good roll. Like what? What's oh, a good? Oh yeah, roll? I forgot about the rolls. You need a nice roll. See, you tell me I'm on glue. Nobody knows Thanksgiving better than me. Everybody bow down to my Thanksgiving opinions because I mean, I it's got to be a certain roll though. It's got to be, a be like a dinner roll type. A dinner roll. Yeah. I don't want a loaf of bread. I want a dinner roll, agreed, like a brownie serve. Yes, yes. Um, for those who don't know, I used to work at Panera for eight years. We their founders' day is today. Their founders' day is today. Panera was invented the day before Thanksgiving, a thousand years ago, however many years ago. And to celebrate, they would always give their employees dinner rolls to celebrate the event. So that's that's the cool part about it. But could you go back in there and get some dinner rolls? Uh, If I knew someone, I would. But I'm kind of far removed at this point. But I would love to go get some dinner rolls because dinner rolls are amazing dude the white Sox put gravy as their starting catcher but yeah okay we're putting a condiment as our starting catcher the most okay i'm not going based on sports the most important position on a diamond they put it freaking as the catcher you're not telling me that's a because it is the most important condiment on thanksgiving yeah but you put that in like left field if it's a condiment no. Like where did the kid? Where did the kid who was you more? You can't have Thanksgiving without gravy. The That's kid why who was more important. The kid who cared more about digging in the dirt and playing with the grass than actually playing baseball. What position did that kid play? That yeah. is where you put a condom. You, you don't can't put a have that catcher. You can't have Thanksgiving with Thanksgiving without gravy. That's why it's at catcher. That's why I decide. Caitlin um, in the chat says Thanksgiving sucks. Yeah, she hates Thanksgiving. But you know what? That is why. You know what though? That, that deserves a ban. She never had a Parisi Thanksgiving. Okay. I'm, thaw- I'm just leaving it. Like, she, she never had those mashed potatoes. I'm telling you about the mashed potatoes, Frank. They're outstanding. We've had Thanksgiving together before. Uh-huh. Not tomorrow, unfortunately. But that's your fault. 
Um, what's your favorite Thanksgiving traditions? I got a couple. One is the turkey bowl. I love waking Fuck up. Yeah, that's my food. favorite too. That's the one I was gonna say too. Um, besides, I just I just love going to play some football. It's supposed to have some pretty good weather tomorrow for it, so that should be nice. Not as chilly as usual. Also, yep. like watching football on Thanksgiving. Oh yeah, the that's always on the TV cooking with that. And then something else I like to do is just anytime later in the night after dinner's over, you're settled, you're just winding down the little games that the family play together. Cause you get the whole family involved. You're not just playing with your cousins. You're getting the aunts, your ma, the grandmas in, and you're all playing that little Thanksgiving game, whatever it may be. Um, whether it be left, right, center, or whether it just be some other games that are made up that make the family last. I think that's great because you're all together doing something as a family. So I, I love that too. So those three things, some of my favorite traditions to do on Thanksgiving. I couldn't agree more. Yeah, I'm excited. My favorite tradition of all time of Thanksgiving is absolutely the Turkey Bowl. Um, going out there, playing quarterback with all you guys and all that kind of stuff. Very much looking forward to it. It's going to be Katie's first Turkey Bowl with us. We're going to have a crap ton of fun. Very much looking forward to that. I also kind of like that. Like if you're a like a fan of football, you can kind of like know what's happening in the day based on what's going on in those games. So like you come home from the Turkey Bowl and the Detroit game just started. Always yeah. every year. The Detroit game always just started. So, like, when you're sitting winding down from the Turkey Bowl, that's what you're watching, getting ready for your big day ahead of you. And I don't know about you guys, but we almost always – dinner would almost always coincide with the start of the Dallas game. And, like, you would pretty much sit at the kitchen table with everyone for the entire first half. And then when you, like, go in your food coma in between – you know, the meal and dessert, that's kind of like the second half. Maybe take a little third quarter nap. And then by the time the 7 o'clock game starts this year, it's New England and Minnesota. Then you could kind of be like, okay, it's time for dessert. We're going to sit, relax, play some games. That's on in the background. Football on Thanksgiving is never like the main focus. It's just the perfect Thanksgiving background noise. Uh-huh. Like, you, you know, I'm focused more in on whatever dice game we're playing at the table or whatever. But, like, it's nice to look up during a little game break and see that the Vikings are playing the Patriots. Or in the past, the Bears have played the Packers. Like, stuff like that. It, it's just always fun. It's a great time. Um, and then we're going to embrace debate one more time. And I, have I, got a, I got a question for you, too. All right. Yeah. We're going to disagree on this one, I think. Is Thanksgiving a part of Christmas? uh yeah i would say no i would say it's not a part of christmas why it just doesn't seem like it is okay that see now this one this embrace debate might be a little bit more but, like just but, how you family but you could sway me because okay. part of me says it is i think it absolutely is like you know how, like, you have, like, a city and then a suburb? So, like, you have Los Angeles, and on, yeah. off the tail of Los Angeles is Anaheim. You have Chicago, off the tail of it is, like, Elgin or Rockford, like the big towns in Illinois that aren't Chicago. Um, Thanksgiving is the Chicago or the Los Angeles, and freaking Thanksgiving is, like, the Anaheim or the Rockford. Like, 
I legitimately think Thanksgiving is part of the holiday that is involved with Christmas because the day after Halloween, I'm listening to Mariah Carey. I'm listening to Michael Bublé. The Christmas songs go throughout all of November, and I'm supposed to just put Christmas on pause for Thanksgiving? No! I'm setting up my tree. I want to be able to look at a tree when I'm eating Thanksgiving. That's always nice to have. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Black Friday is Christmas shopping. It's part of Thanksgiving. That is part of the Christmas season. Thanksgiving is a major milestone in the Thanksgiving season or in the Christmas season. Yeah, I you know what? I agree with you. I think it is a part of Christmas. I was gonna make the point that like Black Friday kind of goes with Christmas, and you made that point. Um it just yeah, and I decorate before for Christmas no, before no. Thanksgiving. It kind of goes for one day. No. Um, Christmas music, same thing. I've been listening to Christmas music. So yeah, I would say so. Absolutely. Okay. What's your question for me now? It's just completely random. It has nothing to really do with Thanksgiving, but why do people call, um, left, right, center, like left, right, center. Instead of or, LCR. Yeah. Cause on the thing it's LCR. Yeah. Why do they call left, right, center? Ah. Uh. I just think LRC sounds stupid. LCR sounds way better. And you're never going to say, you're never going to say left, center, right. Because that sounds dumb. (laughs) I think, you know how. Wait, is it LRC on the thing? I think it's LCR. All right, now I got to look it up. I don't know what the pack, but I've heard people say LCR. You want to play LCR? That means left, right, center, even though the numbers are all whack. It's LCR on the thing. Yeah. But it, we everybody says left, right, center. Yeah. Right. Left, center, right sounds so dumb. <laughs> well, but that's the name of the game. I'm sorry it sounds dumb, but that's what it's called. No, that sounds completely dumb. Uh, like, I'm allowed to change things up if it just doesn't sound good. Like, what's what's my name? What's my full name? Vincent Michael Parisi. No one ever says Vinny Michael Parisi. My nickname, Vinny, doesn't sound right with the rest of my name. So nobody but it's still your legal it. name. Okay, the game is legally LCR. But we say left, right, center because it sounds better. When you say my full name, you use Vincent instead of Vinny because it sounds better. Listen, I'm with you. I just... It... I don't know. It just came to my mind. Yeah. I, I'm, I could be persuaded. That's one of those that I could be persuaded, though. So I don't know. It's it's an interesting conversation. Frank, is there anything coming up on this Thanksgiving that you are most looking forward to and that might be a little bit different than every other year? Not really. <laughs> I can't think of anything. If I'm missing something, I can't grab it out of my mind right now i understand thanksgiving is a year loaded with traditions a lot of the time it's the same day year after year and you just kind of relive it in a little bit different ways for me it's having katie along with my family and the first year having her at our thanksgiving table it's going to be very special i'm very much looking forward to bringing her to the turkey bowl and having her at dinner and then you know whatever comes after that whatever games we may play all the great stuff that we're going to watch all the movies all the sports all of the you know, stuff that comes with like the ambiance of Thanksgiving, very much looking forward to it. Um, And then leaving the following morning to go to Wisconsin to be with her family 
and Christmas Mountain is just going to be so much fun for the next couple of days after that. So just the entire Thanksgiving traditions that we're building now start moving forward with each other is just means the world to me. So that is one thing that I'm looking forward to the most this Thanksgiving. It should be so much fun. And I'll be frank with you. Aside from all that, too, which, again, that's the number one most important thing I'm looking forward to. I can't wait to just be so stupidly full. Like, I, I can't wait to not know my own name because I'm so full. And they just, they drag me to the couch. They sit me down and they put on the Vikings versus the Patriots. And I just sit there hoping I don't explode. It's going to, I literally, that's my goal tomorrow is to just eat so much food that I can't even like think of my own name. It's fair. There's one thing though that people need before they go be good Christians on Thanksgiving. <laughs> and that is to be a degenerate gambler for one more night before we give our thanks to the world. Frank, it is time for America's favorite podcast segment of the week. Breaking bets. <laughs> I cannot fucking wait for you to watch Breaking Bad. It honestly pisses me off that you haven't yet. Listen, I'm watching Thrones. What do you want? You can watch more than one show. No, I have so many shows. Thrones, Thrones you need to be locked in. You I need know. to have both eyes on the screen. At all. No, phones, no phone games, nothing. You have to watch. Otherwise, you're going to be so lost forever. Breaking Bad? a little bit more simple of a watch it's a great show it's the greatest show of all time in my opinion but breaking bad you have or game of thrones you have Jon Snow's story and khaleesi's story and sons story and brand story and the lannister story and Tyrion's story there's like seven different stories going on at one time and all across the kingdoms breaking bad walter white story that's it i have so many shows i watch probably at least 10 I can't add another one Time of that caliber. Time to add Breaking Bad. Uh, after Thrones is over, I'll start Breaking Bad. All right. I believe it. We're almost done with it. season three. No, so. now you're getting into the meat and potatoes, speaking of Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. I just think of Breaking Bad every time we go into Breaking Bets. But, Frank, people want to make some money, up them out. All right. Well, first up on the docket for today. The Calgary Flames are visiting the Pittsburgh Penguins in Pittsburgh. Pens have been playing better lately. They've won three in a row. The Calgary Flames have been playing pretty good lately as well, too. But I will side with the Pittsburgh Penguins. Take them while they're hot, just in case they fall off a cliff again. They are home, and I think the value of minus 129 on the money line is very good. So I would support the Pittsburgh Penguins tonight. And uh, there's the first pick. Second pick I got, Nets are playing the Raptors. Nets are on a back-to-back. They looked so bad last night against the Sixers when they lost to them without Joel Embiid. Um, I forgot who it was. Maybe it was Shannon Sharp, I think, was just – or Stephen A, maybe, was just ripping on the Nets of their poor performance against the Sixers, a game they should have won, especially against the Sixers without Embiid. Um, Raptors are a little underrated. The Nets had to travel to Toronto uh, last night. That's going to be very tough for them to do. Raptors minus 132 on the money line. 
Great value there. Raptors are an underrated team. I like them in this spot for sure. Tomorrow, the Vikings play the Patriots. Um, the game is in Minnesota. It's going to be a chilly night, I think, in Minnesota. Patriots have the best defense in the league, in my opinion, not statistically, but in my brain they do from what I've seen. Uh, due to the cold weather and due to the great defense of the Patriots, I love this game under 42.5. I would take it right now. Under 42.5 is minus 109. That line could change for the better or for the worse, so I would take it while you can before the game starts tomorrow night. Those are my picks for you. Very good, very good. Where do you stand on the Devils? You know, at this point, I hate to say it, I would bet against the Devils every game because they're going to lose here. And the Devils are favorite, and they're going to be favorites now. So I think there's value on the other team, especially against Toronto. I do. I would take Toronto, to be honest with you. I, if I wasn't biased, I would too. But they, they've been dogs. I know. They were dogs against the Leafs last week. Like, I know. Right? Yeah, they were. And I think they were favorites yesterday. No, 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 no. They were light favorites against the Leafs, I think. Because remember, you're like... game last week where they were dogs. They were big dogs in a lot of time out of this stretch. Yeah. I forgot yeah. who it was. Or maybe it wasn't against the Leafs. There was somebody who they were light favorites against. And you're like, you don't think there's value there? And I said, well, I forgot the reasoning, but I'm pretty sure they were light favorites against somebody. Yeah. What about value on the Devils' puck line? Because they win a lot of their games by more than one. I hate the puck line unless you're taking the plus. It's hard to win an NHL game as it is, let alone by two goals. Yeah, isn't every game plus, though, in that? Every game's plus one and a half. Yeah, but, like, the odds, like the favorite. Oh, unless it's a really heavy favorite. Like, if a team's minus 400 – then the minus one and a half might be like minus one sixty. Yeah, the the Devils plus but the Devils will be plus. The Devils minus one and a half is plus one eighty. Yeah. The Devils or the Leafs plus one and a half is minus two ten. Yeah, I'm not surprised. Um, I'm trying to find the Hawks and the Stars is probably the most out of touch game today. Yeah, the Stars are minus three fifteen to win. <laughs> And the minus one and a half may be minus. It is minus one twenty. See? Yeah. So when you got a heavy favorite and it's minus, and it's but when a game's like so close, like the Devils, I don't I, it's yeah. hard to win an NHL game. Of course it is. Um Let by the two stars, the stars are the second biggest favorite today. Only the Carolina Hurricanes against the Arizona Coyotes are bigger favorites in their matchup. Yeah, I'm not surprised. Yeah, me either. So that's our show. Frankie did an amazing job breaking bets as usual. We talked about Thanksgiving, hockey, football. Um, I am so thankful to be doing this show. I'm so thankful for everyone in my life. Katie, you're my number one. I love you very much. I'm beyond words thankful for you. Frank, uh, this show, you mean everything to me. Um, You and your family, the Mangarellis, they mean everything to me. Couldn't be more thankful to have them in my life. Um, obviously my brother, Joey, mom, dad, the number one people in my life. Thank you so much. I hope everybody watching, I'm more thankful for you than you could possibly imagine as well. And happy Thanksgiving to all Frank, the floor is yours. I just want to say the same thing. I'm thankful for my mom, dad, my whole family, 
siblings, brothers, sisters, cousins, Yuvin, Joey, your your mom, dad. This show, obviously, the Mangarellis, my girlfriend, so important to me in my life. I love her dearly. Thankful to have her around for the past, what is going to be, I think this is our fifth Thanksgiving. So I'm thankful for that. Um, thankful for everybody who watches. And it's just, if you just enjoy your Thanksgiving, be safe out there. If anybody's traveling like your brother is, hopefully they stay safe. And uh, just hope everybody has a great uh, time on Thanksgiving. And this is your time to spend time with your family. So, um, yeah, I hope everybody just has a good Thanksgiving if you're celebrating. Also super thankful to Aldo Gandia and the entire Barroom Network worth of hosts. I believe the entire network is off tomorrow. So I hope everybody returns over the weekend ready for some big-time football. You have what rivalry week. All the teams are playing their top dogs in on Saturday and then on Sunday. The teams that don't play tomorrow are going to be in action on Sunday and Monday. So very much looking forward to that. The sports landscape is getting extremely fun. The Devils with all the winning they're doing with the college football playoff ranking coming next Tuesday after this huge weekend where there's sure to be shakeups. It's just a fun sports week coming up and I couldn't be more excited about it. Honestly, this is some of the best time in the sports landscape and we can't thank everybody enough for coming on this show and talking about it and experiencing it with all of us. And man, there's just so much to be thankful for. So I hope everybody enjoyed the show. And as always, Thank you for listening. Another happy landing.